From beyond the farthest reaches of our galaxy they come. Two brains pulsing with a strange energy. These space brains come to share their love of science fiction movies. Welcome to Space Brains, a show where we joy watch sci-fi movies and then talk about what was good and what was great. I'm Surrey, and this is Mark. Hiya. Tonight, we're talking about Alien. So consider this your spoiler warning. Okay, so if you haven't seen this movie yet, uh, I can only assume that you have no eyes, ears, nose, <laughs> or mouth. No, it might be, might be youngster. might be a real youngster. You know, okay, just if you're, not, if not you're really too young it. to actually see this movie... It'll probably give you nightmares, but still go back and watch it anyway because there might be nightmares that turn into uh, amazing things later it, on. It is 40 years old, so someone that is now 20 might look at it and kind of go, what is it? Like, I, I didn't know about this movie. Like, I know it sounds bizarre, yeah, but they really might. Like, it, that, that generational thing, because it is starting to get older. Like, well, you've got the seems, Alien vs. Predator. I know, I know. Pieces, but so there'll be a certain one there, but this, this has obviously been the first movie... They made it without knowing that there was going to be any... Yeah, any sequels and... In fact, they were probably surprised they made the movie in the first place, (laughs) really. Let alone the fact that it would become popular. Yes. But anyway, you should go watch it right now. Tune back in. Come back to us. (laughs) Because we're not going to hold back on any secrets or anything. It's it's all coming out tonight. Yep. Or today. Because it's a podcast. You could listen to it anytime, really. <laughs> That's right. You can download and go back, pause, press pause, and then come I back li- around. I like to think that everyone's like, listening to this real time. Yeah, real live time. stream. Yeah. We should do live stream. We should do a live stream. They hear all the ums and ahs. And That's the, it. And the mouth clicks that we do. Yeah, realize that there is a whole big <laughs> studio here being produced. <laughs> and we've been edited live on air. Uh, you you don't idea. know how much umming and ahhing and empty space I pull out of these episodes. Yeah, yeah. Yep. No, there's lots. So, what what is the deal for you about Alien? Sorry, like no, what 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 is this movie for you? For me, this movie this movie really sets up the mystery of space and yeah, the I guess the fear of exploration. On one hand, their humans are out in space; they're they're tugging great big um, moving factories, yeah, processing Huge. ore. And they're, and they're doing it at some decent speed. They're, yep. they're expecting 10 months, I think. At one point it was mentioned 10 months at yep. least to, to get home. And so I think 10 months in space, they're obviously somehow traveling quickly. It doesn't yeah, go into yeah. any of that in the movie. Mm-hmm. But they've got the technology, you know, and they're landing on planets mm-hmm. and they're getting about and they're doing stuff. So there's, they've even got uh, synthetic human yep. getting about. Uh, so there's a lot of fascinating, which even though the movie itself is kind of a bit of a horror movie... It nonetheless filled me with this uh, amazing fascination mm-hmm. with the mysteries of space, particularly because uh, more than the, the horror aspects, I really looked at the the mystery of this alien derelict spacecraft where the eggs are on. And, yeah, there's, you can just see there's a story behind that. Oh, definitely. And they try to come up with the story instead of in Prometheus movie. Okay. That, that sort of, it doesn't quite touch on this particular ship, but it, it goes into some of the details. But yeah, it, it, it was just uh, fascinating. I was thinking there's this, not just the alien as an alien life, but the 
ship that they found the alien eggs on was an entirely other species of alien. Yeah, life. yeah. That the alien and, had also yeah, kind so, of so overtaken. That, the, the other thing, of course, is that uh, it's also good to play by the rule book. Throughout this movie, Ripley, our character, is continually trying to get people to do the right thing. She does, doesn't she? She keeps yeah. saying, we have to do quarantine. Mm. We can't just let one, we can infect the whole thing. And then uh, the, another one was, when we hear a distress signal, we have to go investigate it. Yeah. Yeah. She's very by the book. And yeah. had everyone actually gone by the book, mm-hmm. they would have been perfectly safe. That's right. Quite remarkable that in many movies, they try to sort of show that, Sometimes you just got to break the rules. That's and this, true. <laughs> and this one is like, no, sometimes you just got to... The rules are there for a good reason. Yeah. So that's that's the two things I think that I got. Um, the mystery and wonder exploration, that um, beautiful journey into space and, and the amazing things you can have. And perhaps whilst you're doing that, so follow the rules. There's a little fun fact also about that alien prop on the planet that they go to where he's, he's sitting there in front of... You know, is it a telescope or a it, gun? I'm not. I'm, it, I'm a little bit unsure exactly. That's, that's my wife. And is, it, she says, it, it, is that a gun? Like, yeah, I don't. Know. I don't think we're meant to know really what it no, is. It's a navigation device yeah. or something. And and we know they say he's fossilized. It's obviously happened a long time ago. And and we also know that his ribs have been broken from the inside out. So he wasn't a happy camper probably uh, when he died. But a little fun fact: that particular prop, they parked it at the premiere, which was only a minor thing in an LA cinema. And people, as someone uh, tri- damaged it, they burnt it. They they set it afire because they thought it was evil. So after watching it the movie, looked, it looked pretty. They got so freaked. No, but after watching the movie, they were so freaked from the actual alien movie that they went out and they said they thought it was evil. They thought it was this was something untoward. So that's what this movie has that impact on people. I think that it is freaking scary this movie, but it is a sci-fi as well. So it does it does the perfect mix of the two worlds. I think the two genres. Is it's very good that, and that's I suppose that is what I got from it too. That that uh, inspiration and wonder from sci-fi, but then the Sheer cons- consequences <laughs> of not following rules. Yeah, you end yeah. up with um, aliens crawling through space. Yeah, and I guess ducts, yeah. I guess what you're saying as well, like it's funny because generally in horror, you know, people break rules and then they get punished. You know, whereas Ripley is basically saying. Let's let's follow the rules. You know what I mean? Like follow the rules, follow the rules. You know, and and others on the ship want to, and then others don't. And plus, we have we do have a saboteur on on the yeah. on the plane on on the ship. Sorry, as well. Yeah, in in the horror movies, often it's the authority figure who's yeah. trying to enforce the rules who gets you know killed. Well, the, yeah, that's the, right. The plucky teenager yeah, yeah. who is a bit of a rebel, but not too much of a rebel, mm. just a little bit. <laughs> Because uh, if they're too much of a rebel, they, they get taken out early on, it's, you know, particularly if they're kissing someone. Yeah, um, I know. God forbid. So how about you, though? Is this Can we fit this into a hope, warning, or experiment? Well, to, me, to me, this is warning. It's warning, 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 really, warning. because literally they are sent to a planet to investigate under the guise that there's this message coming out, uh, possibly an SOS message. So they go there, and that's where they find the eggs and then the face hugger and they're attacked and then they bring it back on the ship. So, and I, I think it is pretty much a warning, even just from what we've said, because on one side of the fence, Ripley was trying to say, follow the rules. And, and in fact, the company behind, you know, the, the employer of all these uh, crew, they're the ones kind of wanting to break the rules, aren't they? And then we're being punished for that. 
And wasn't, I think that was a really great point too, is, and I think this is one of the reasons why Alien has become this kind of franchise of this four official movies, and then there's Alien vs. Predator, and yep. then there's Alien Resurrection. There's some other Alien yeah, one, there is another one in there. Prometheus and the yeah. second Prometheus, and it's, it's become such a thing because they left a number of elements unspoken or, or yeah. uh, unexplored. The whole uh, Kane, no, not Kane, Ash, the robot, he had this special order to retrieve a specimen, uh, all other priorities secondary. Mm. That was only explored insofar as the adding to the tension and horror of the fact that they didn't even need to be there. Yeah. They were sitting there on purpose, knowing yeah, that there was right. going to be danger. Yeah. And also having a, a robot on board whose second primary consideration was saving this alien and killing mm. it and not giving a damn about everyone else. That, however, leads to this question of, well, who's this company? Why are they doing this? Mm. How did they know about the alien? And yeah. how many of these synthetics are going around doing stuff? What's, what's the agenda? Yeah. And that sort of means it gives you that glimpse into a bigger world. Oh, definitely, definitely. You know, and I think it, it, it is interesting that this company, they sent them on this mission. They're all being sent there uh, to go to the minerals. That's the thing, like a mining uh, mission. So they've gone off and they've done that. And then they're coming back to Earth and they're kind of woken under this disguise of, oh, well, it's an emergency beacon. But as we find out throughout the story, in fact... Ash, the robot, uh, you know, or the synthetic robot human was, I mean, he was replaced the day before the mission, I think we're told, and then he's mm. on board. So he knew all along and that was the mission, wasn't it? You know? yeah. So it's a, it's so the company's really, t- I mean, yeah, who is this company and what are they up to? They've because sent no- a crew out into space to do the job, but then on the way back, I don't know. So I suppose back on Earth, are they... Maybe PR-wise, it's kind of like, oh, well, our ship accidentally stumbled across this beacon. Like, they created that whole story, you know, just to kind of make it seem like they're not up to well, the thing, trouble. They but didn't then you go into anything else about this company, about what it does. There was no other, you know, often in these sort of movies, you might get a, a news story or some That's sort right, of yeah. a photo or, or a bit Fill of promotional material, yeah. which kind of somehow paints this story. But... The, this corporation, the Wayland Yutani, was not. Uh, it was not prominent anywhere else in the movie. No, no. Which could have made it a real, I suppose, a real sore thumb type of thing. Like yeah. you go, why did you have that in there? But I think managed to pull it off so that it, it is actually this little hook. A little. It's not too big a question, but there's a little question in your mind there about what does this mean for the larger universe? It gives you a peek into the fact that the story extends beyond this one little encounter on a ship. You've got mm. to think. How many other ships have they diverted to do That's their right. little secret yeah, missions yeah, yeah. for unknown reasons? So we don't know why they want the specimen. That's right. You could expect this scientific value in having it, yeah. but yeah, how do they know about it? what is that scientific value? Yeah, there's the obvious things of well, you could use it to kill people. Yeah, but you can use guns. We've got guns for that. Yeah, like yeah. what? What do you need some alien creature? You don't want that. Yeah, but, but uh, maybe it. I mean, again, I think it's really quite. Um, like I watch this film now in 2019 and it feels like huge multinational companies can, they feel like this, they feel like this company at times, you know, that they're mm. very distant and they're, who are they really behind the scenes? You know, they're doing all sorts of things. And yet this was back in 1979 and the writers kind of were saying this as well, isn't it? So 40 years ago, they felt that there must have been, there must have been a bit of political tension around big companies and, because there is a whole thing in this film, you know, like from the from the start of the film, 
the workers, you know, those two, the two guys, yeah, Parker, Parker and, and um, uh, Brett, Bre- that's it. Yeah, Brett, yeah. Brett and Parker. Uh, Brett yeah. and Parker, those two. They're, they're, so they're the mechanics, the engineers, whatever, and they're, like, complaining about pay. They want more pay. They want a bigger slice yeah, of the Yeah, they feel pay. like they're not being appreciated Pre- for yeah. their skills. No one and, comes down here. They don't as, come down here. As know, an like, engineer myself, I have to agree. We're, we're never appreciated for No, but, no. It, but, it's, it, but it exacerbates that you know, company, us and them, doesn't it? You know, like yeah. mad- middle management and, and below management. And I know Dallas, you know, the captain, he he says a bit of it. He goes, it doesn't matter. Like, take the organism back. That's what they want. That's what they want. You know, like, yeah. who cares? I'm just doing this. I don't trust anyone. I'm just here, get my pay, and then move on, you know, like yeah. to, to another gig, you know. So, yeah, I, I think it's a major warning, this film. Major warning. Be careful where you go out in space. <laughs> anyway. Right, yeah. Well, have you been watching anything else or, or getting into anything else this week? Have you done a bit of research well, will, or anything? Or? I will say this movie, watching it again, and this connects to my career, I, I, I'm a bit sort of, it's a bit of an aha, this film again, because it's like, this is what I need to aspire to, you know, and I don't mean making an alien film, but I just mean this film in particular to me is that perfect roller coaster of a narrative. You know, like it's got intrigue, it's got a killer monster, you know, one, one of the best monsters and, and then great cast, awesome sets. And it, you just, you know, like there's a couple of moments, even though I've seen this film a lot, like I still jump, mm. <laughs> you know, still freaking jump when Dallas is in that aircon vent and he turns and the freaking thing's right there. He says, you know, like, hello. And then, you know, it's like, hello. Spirit fingers. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> but it's it, like, you, you can't help but jump, you know, like they perfectly timed those moments. And when you mix it into the world of this spaceship, uh, the design of this spaceship, it's so claustrophobic. These people are totally stuck on uh, this there's ship. There's some really and, beautiful aspects about that yeah. spaceship, which I'll... So I'll talk about in the in the favourite yeah yeah we'll bit, come back to that we'll but get to that yeah. well I guess what I'm trying to say is for me as a as a scriptwriter and filmmaker I've had an aha from this film like a real inspiring moment of ah this is what I want to leave as a legacy of my filmmaking career so you know you think about Ridley Scott he's made so many good movies over his career this one is his second feature like it's absolutely he did outstanding you know gladiator didn't he he did do gladiator, gladiator yeah. yeah um blade runner you know i was just uh, i was just trying to think of it my top of my head and i was going I, why do i think i know this now yeah gladiator well, yeah gladiator is a brilliant movie you i think know, so i think also in this movie it really showed from a script point of view and also from the directing point of view that less can be more definitely as we're saying definitely. Like, this whale and utani company has this plot in there but we don't we don't find we out don't much about it. They're not talking about it. It's no. not any major piece. It's not about bringing the company down. No, no. And then there's other things, like like I said, we get a view of the sort of class structure yep. uh, going on in this universe. And, yeah, we, we'll do a, a plot synopsis, yeah, but I can do a two-sentence plot synopsis of this. <laughs> you know, I'll, I'll do it right now. But crew land on a planet following an SOS beacon. An alien comes on board, kills a bunch of people, Someone escapes. Yeah. That's the plot. That is the plot. Uh, it's how it's executed. And and there's plenty of other movies where there's a lot more going on. There's, yeah. there's all sorts of things, which is good in its own way. But this really shows, you know, a stripped-down, sparse yeah. plot. There's not a lot to get in the way of the, the tension and the cinematics and, and the acting. Yeah, yeah definitely, so definitely. 
Yeah. So you, you're getting this in in your scripting. Is this major? Are you revising the scripture? Are you looking to write a new one and trying to? Yeah, I think no. I think incorporate something going forward. It's just that's going to be the goal. Like this this film sets a bit of a bench. That's that's that was my aha. Mm. Like I, you know, I've been writing script short and and features for a few years now, and I've made some short films as well. And it just suddenly the aha and this viewing. I've watched this film a few times. And said, but in this particular viewing, I'm sitting there going. Ah, this is a very good benchmark. You know, I just I feel like it has all of those right elements. If and then if you do think we're talking about this film forty years after it's come out, and a lot of the scenes in these films people have taken and used in other films, it's been mimicked and joked about. You know, also in、mm. comedy films, it's an amazing legacy. You know, and it's and it has spawned prequels and short films and. You know other other films as well, and a crossover to、it's, Predator it's and stuff. It's really so, elevated that like,、yeah. monster in the room、yeah. to、uh, an A level movie. That's right. Yeah, yeah. So, and I think people that maybe aren't into sci fi would also like this. You know, someone that does absolutely love horror would like this. For sure, because you know, it does both of them. So that's what I mean. I just think it will. I think me going forwards from today. My writing needs to try to hit this mark, <laughs> yeah, I, and then my filmmaking as well. Like this is the benchmark now, you know. I know. I, I look at、goal. I look at these things, and、uh, it's often hard、mm. when I'm writing. When I was writing Exit Plan, for example, it、yep. was I was reading all sorts of information about、uh, you know plotting and and structure and、uh, how to how to, to to captivate all these sorts of things, and I, I wrote down so many notes. Uh, it's really good when you can find one of your little notices to say,、oh, "I have to make sure of that I do something about this." But then you find a, a physical example of it, and you can look at it and go, "Ah, that's、yeah. that's really it." And you sort of think, "That's how do I how do I capture something like that?" Because <laughs> you don't want to do you don't want to make Alien. No, I don't want to do Alien. You either, want? I, I I can see. You know, I would love to have something that because、uh, I'm I really love in my own writing to have. Lots of stuff going in the background, mysteries or plots or, or stories or, or some sort of thing in the background, which never actually even comes into the main story, and it doesn't get resolved. There's no answers. It's just kind of as you're following the main story, you just know that there's all this other stuff、yeah. happening. You just go to the spotlight on one area. I'm not sure if I succeeded in doing that in any of my writing. I like to think I'm trying that in Exit Plan. If people were to listen,、uh, the main narrator. Often asks these questions about,、uh, you know, if there's this this one group of、uh, Catholic order that sort of deals with magic and monsters. Well, that can't be the only order. And what about governments? Like, how could this go unknown by some sort of government organisation, CIA and ASIO and so forth? They they they're just absorbing as much information out of the world as they can constantly.、Yeah. Surely that's known. So, but none of that ever comes into the story. So they just don't know if I managed to do it, like, like、yeah. uh, this alien thing. Because again, clearly in Alien, people watched Alien and then the sequel, and from that have drawn you know so much, so much fiction out of that. Yeah, definitely. And、uh, so much so that Predator Two did that little, and this is where the whole crossover came from in Predator Two, the movie at the end, when Danny Glover's character gets on board the Predator spaceship, which was crashed in L.A. somewhere. And there's like trophies on the wall, and, you,、mm. and there's there's like you know a dinosaur skull, or like yeah, a T Rex、yeah. or something, and there's, but then in the background is like an alien yeah, skull, yeah. and it, it's it's a throwaway moment. It just scans past. It's kind of just a little Easter egg, if you will,、mm. yeah, a little、yeah. nod. But that one little you know 
one second pan past this wall of trophies spawned, where it made everyone go, oh, Predator and Alien, yeah, they're, they're in the same universe. Oh, my are. God. And that suddenly threw everything. Uh, that, I said, yeah, I've got, to, I've got to admit, if I could come up with anything, anything like that, where some other creator somewhere or other does a little Easter egg nod to something that I've made. That's right. And that then just sparks more people just going crazy. That would be the ultimate. I mean, lots of money would be good too. But <laughs> seeing people getting that inspired yeah, by yeah. fitting pieces into a puzzle that never actually existed. That's right. They didn't make Alien knowing that it's going to be anything else. It was just a, at the time, it was just a, a, a B movie. Um, in fact, Dan O'Bannon, the. The writer, he said the reason he started doing it, he started shopping around, was because he had no money. Yeah. He was, you know, a starving artist, as, as we all are. And so he was just shopping around trying to trying to get someone to pledge a bit of money to it. Uh, he wasn't looking for much. He was expecting it to be a, a low budget. He yeah, wanted it to be ball. better budget than his first movie, which was a student movie. Yeah, so I, I agree. You see, you see something like Alien and you think of your own work and you think, oh, there's, there's elements in there. Yeah. They're just, how do I get the right, coming at the right level so yeah. I'm not hitting someone over the head with it and I'm not, like, totally bypassing them. Yeah, yeah. Get and I think, like, the crew of this shit, when you when you kind of look at their dialogue between each other, that's what I mean about the guys complaining about the pay. And you have also do have someone that's, uh, you know, with the character of Ash, who's a bit of, you know, he's sabotaging the events. Mm. You've got Ripley, as you said before, like, She's saying, no, let's let's follow pro I mean, you know, it's very realistic to what a crew, you know, like a, a bunch of people working together are like, you know, yeah. and, and it's not about the, them being in relationships or anything like that. They're just a team that work together on a pretty boring kind of part of a mission. And then now they've discovered these aliens, you know. You, you don't um, even get the feeling that they're a long-term crew. No, no. They, they, they sort of seem to be... Uh, they don't. You don't feel as if they've worked for years and years together and formed some sort of family bond. That's right. Yeah. No. no it seems you can imagine they they seem to know each other a bit. Yep. Um, but that could just be because their mission has spanned for months. Yep. And being you know spending that much time six months with the same bunch of people day in day out. Yeah. You you will form and, something. And but, again, I think you know like you and and you and I have spoken about this previously of the idea of oh. We're going to look at alien. We, we've seen this beacon, and we think it's aliens. That's the that could be a typical plot. That could have been a different way of doing this film. Mm. And it's like, oh, I'm an engineer, and I'm a mechanic, and I'm a captain, and I'm, uh, you know, I'm I'm the safety officer, and <laughs> like, and just we've all got our skills in different ways. And so many films have done that over the years. Yeah, they- but this film, it's you know, we're we're in on just a working everyday crew. You know, uh, at the start, I love that scene where they do wake up and then they just start eating breakfast and then they then they then they kind of get into their roles don't they we sort of learn a bit more about their roles but again it's not like they're not fighting over each other they're, there's not really sexual tension between the characters they're just they're not carrying workers on, they're like, not they're, carrying on previous conversations no, and it's no. just like yeah they have a bit of breakfast or what you having on this yeah. that, I mean, which is pretty much what it's like in the workforce yeah, isn't it <laughs> captain says well i'll go talk to the computer and find out what what's yeah, going on that's right and yeah. he goes off and does his thing. It's just really, yeah. in a way, it's bland, but it's like perfectly written dialogue in a way for that, I think. So, yeah, anyway, that's the goal, I reckon, this is this is a good benchmark film. Okay, so a viewing experience, and do you remember when you first saw this? Yeah, I. Uh, it, it's interesting with this one because I watched this after I'd seen Aliens. 
No. <laughs> so I didn't watch it in logical order. And in fact, I think I'd seen Aliens a couple of times mm. before I even saw this. And I must admit, when I first then watched this, I was probably like 13. I was a bit like, oh. Uh, like, you know, it's scary and, and all that sort of stuff, but I wasn't as excited about it because Aliens is more like, you know, wham, bam, thank you, man, all the guns and all the big explosions and the... It's very epic Aliens, you know, and whereas you this is more subtle. about the yeah. eggs and the face yeah. and the chest Yes, that's and right. Stuff, yeah. And it just... I think it being a 13-year-old boy at that point, you know, I loved the Arnold Schwarzenegger and Sylvester Stallone big actions of the 80s and yeah. stuff like that. So... Then to sit down and watch Alien where there's lots of quiet moments, lots of tension, lots of dark. You, you know, you don't get to see a lot. A lot of strobe lights. A lot of strobe lights. Like I say, there you should know. be an epilepsy warning for this there one. should be, shouldn't there? But it, it felt a bit like, oh, I'm not seeing much. Because a lot of it's much more subtle, you know, as we, yeah. as we just said. So, yeah, that was the first. And then when I went to film school, it was one of those things that, of course, it's really talked about this film. Uh, in a lot of ways, you know, setting and lighting and, and, the, and the creature reveal and stuff. So... You know, being 18, 19, I was like, yep, you know, and I did that with a few films I'd seen. I went back and watched them again, and I was like, oh, I get it. I get it. This is a really great film. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, you know, it kind of opened my eyes, and especially because then when I was about 18, I really did like a lot of horror. So I was watching a lot of horror, and this, I was like, wow, this is really quite horrific. You know, it ticks a lot of those boxes, and especially with that creature. Yeah, it's just, it is a freaking scary creature, this alien. I think the design of that creature... Done by H. R. Giger. I can't remember what H. Horace. I think his, I think his name's Horace. But he goes by H. R. Giger. It's so unlike any other yeah. alien creature, and it's just got that. It's got a really. Uh, I know it. It looks alien in that it doesn't seem to have recognizable material. Like, what is it made out of? Mm, yeah. It looks metallic or stone or rubber yeah or you know like it, it doesn't have any of those sort of qualities it's shiny it's glistening it's it doesn't make yeah. it look it, it looks alien like yeah yeah the the ribs and the, the ridging on it look almost technological yeah but clearly it's not it's entirely mm. biological but it's that that alien design was just uh it was amazing and, yeah. and i watched the the making of and they were talking about it and they were trying to come up with some i saw some of the the early concepts of of aliens were drawn okay. by uh, drawn by one of the artists who actually did the spaceship exteriors. Yeah, he presented a couple, and they looked so bad. Uh, good drawings. The guy's a good good artist. Of course, he, he of drew course. it well, but you're trying to imagine it as some sort. Of, it didn't look scary. Mm. Like it was scary in that you know it had fangs dripping with blood and these hooks for hands and yeah. four weird legs and stuff. But it. It was just not. It didn't have the horror factor yeah. that that bit, which should have repelled you. Yeah, yeah. And when we're talking with when Giga is talking on this, this doco, he's he's showing some of his artwork, and he's painting, and he's he's saying you know, he's, he's showing this first image which inspired the alien, which they sort of said something like that. And he took it and he changed it. He said he he did uh, he took away its eyes. He didn't want it to have any eyes because when it has eyes, then you you know what it's looking at. You think you know what it's thinking. Yeah. You know, it gives it character. So yeah. this, he took the eyes away because that meant it was just unknowable. You couldn't know what it was. Mm, yeah, and he okay. made his head just a long, smooth sheet. Yeah. Again, no features. So you couldn't tell what it was hearing. You, you know, like it's just this yeah. um, entirely different from anything else. So there's no horns. There's no ridges. There's nothing. It's just that yeah. smooth 
carapace, almost like a, a cockpit of a fighter jet type yeah. of thing. Yeah, some of these, these features he put on there and uh, his breathing tubes are on the back. Again, any, anything that's sort of extrusions like that and orifices, taboo, really. Yeah, that's you right. know, If it's not a mouth, then we kind of don't really want to know about it in our society. <laughs> and so giving it four of these honking great snorkel things out the back which seem to drip fluid and... yeah. yeah. Uh, you weren't sure were they breathing tubes or yeah. are they something else, some sort of sensory organ? You don't know, but it looks h- horrible. It does. It's, it's got holes into its body where it shouldn't have mm. holes into its body. And, yeah, the whole experience, I think, by by engaging uh, and a concept artist like Bigger, I think, really added to the effect of having this, this alien. So even when it was revealed, you, you couldn't really tell what you're looking at no it that's was just, right uh it was humanoid but no no you couldn't tell anything about it there's there no way of reading emotion it didn't it couldn't snarl and go oh my angry yeah, yeah or lick its lips or anything like that there's none of that nonsense no. in there it was it was such a it was almost like looking at a machine but um, it's, it's but not. you knew it wasn't a machine yeah, so it right. had desires it mm. wasn't just a killer it, it had an agenda yes that I, I that I think is just that's what really turns the tables on that. Yeah, yeah. So I can't actually remember the first time I saw it. Yeah, right. I'm trying to I'm trying to think whether I saw it before or after Aliens, the sequel. I have a feeling it was before because I saw it on DVD. Oh, not DVD. <laughs> VH- Come on, you're not that young. It'd be VHS. <laughs> nice and grainy. Yeah, VH, yeah. You wouldn't have been able to really see those dark scenes. Well, the funny thing is, when you're watching VHS and that's all you've ever known, you don't realise. No, that's is. exactly right. You're so completely I, correct. Yeah, I'm pretty sure I saw it beforehand, and I would have been, I would have been about ten. I don't know what were my parents thinking. Yeah, <laughs> they, they didn't, they didn't officially let me watch it, or did they? Yeah, I know. Or was it on TV? It might have been on TV. That's the thing. A lot I, of those movies. I think it was on TV. Yeah. Actually. So you'd sneak um, a few of those movies in. I know. I used and, to. I was. I remember. I was old enough to not be just terrified by it. Like I saw uh, American Werewolf in London Ooh, when I was yeah. too young. Yes, and that that, that gave movie, me nightmares for months. That's afterwards. interesting. You mentioned that. <laughs> you and I have never talked about that. I movie. That, I is, oh, that was scary. That I movie. couldn't open blinds of a curtain. Yep, yep. Because I think that's one of the first movies that did that. You know, jump scare of that's pull right. the blinds apart exactly. and something's there. <laughs> it's like the good old mirror in the bathroom. Yeah, that's right. Why do they always do that? Or the, or the refrigerator door, they open it, close it. And then it's right oh. there. But, yeah, yeah so I, I watched it then and um, I remember at the time, yeah, I think I was more actually interested in the fact that they found an alien spaceship on a planet. Yeah, right. More so than the fact there was an alien killing people. Yeah, yeah. That, that kind of didn't really register that much to me. That was almost like, well, of course there's going to be an alien killing people. I mean, yeah. You found an alien spaceship. You've you got to expect that. I was more interested in the fact of, oh, how do these other... Had the spaceship crashed there, why, how did they end up with those eggs? Yeah. And what's that story? Yeah, yeah. Strange. So we're going to talk relative preferences, our ladder. We've got the lobster, passengers, equals, equals the beyond. Oh, the beyond and then equals. I beyond think that and would, equals. Yeah, yeah. Okay. My so, question with this one is, Is this? does this go on the ladder? Or does, is this just beyond the ladder? This, this, is, a, this is a benchmark film. <laughs> so it, 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 it was... The film that basically elevated uh, monster horror to A level. Oh, definitely. And showed that you could be, you could have creative science fiction with what had up to then been seen as sort of a drive-in theatre, non-award winning. It was it was 
Well, what's the cinema equivalent of literature? You know, the difference between pulp fiction versus literature, and this is horror was always sort of seen as the pulp fiction versus the cinematic you know, masterpieces. Yeah. Well, like a drama, just a good old dramas. drama, you know? Like, yeah, you know. so it, it sort of was a, it was a groundbreaker it was. for that. And from there, we, we've got these things. We now know that aliens always travel in air ducts. That's just... Yep, that's right. Every movie knows that's true. Uh, every movie also, we also know that aliens and monsters will grow inside people. Yeah, and creepy. become ex- exposed in that way. There's quite a lot that came out of Alien, yeah, I think, yeah. that has been absorbed and reproduced. And that's why it's it's such a grand a, a, a benchmark, really, I yeah. suppose, is that it managed, to, it managed to convince and inspire so many people. Yeah. Again, it's just it's that film that does both, you know, the scare and the fear factor, the, the cheap thrills and the, the deeper thrills, but it also has a good enough storyline to take us on that, you know, journey of, of Ripley's journey. So it does it does both really, like, you know, there's enough yeah. going on in both. Uh I love the lobster, but then this yeah, does this one go does this one go at the top of the ladder then? I'm confused. Do we have do we have a secondary ladder? Because <laughs> do we have a classic ladder or something? There's gonna be know. other films where we have this Blade Runner is another one which mm. uh, the original Blade Runner of course, which is Oddly enough, another Ridley Scott film, which also defined the genre of that sort of cyberpunk dystopia mm. uh, extension of our current future. Yeah, from which we've we've seen so many other movies. Uh, uh, I think The Fifth Element yeah. borrowed heavily with the flying cars and yeah. that sort of city. It, it threw a bit of a, a cartoonish light on it all, but nonetheless, um, Total Recall, likewise mm. from yeah. Blade Runner, you can sort of see the. The tone similarities, but again, it had the Arnold Schwarzenegger yeah, yeah, element in there, yeah. which sort of threw it away. Uh, it's hard because, again, with this ladder, we're not necessarily like ranking these films. It's not a. It's not like the best one to one hundred films. We're just kind of saying, well, these are on this particular. This ladder. is our preference. Yeah, it's just a preference we're not going to go and tell other people which no, ones are the best. No, how about? And if I compare, the thing is, like, if I if I do, I do think Lobster is such a good one, but I do, I just think like. If you if you put the lobster next to Alien, then they're very very different films. They're, like they're just they're poles apart, really. I vastly, mean, <laughs> they're both oh, sci-fi. Sure, you but, could well say that all of the films are quite different. But they are all different. It, it is a, it's a different genre. I think in uh, you've watched Top Gear, I'm sure. Yeah. So Top Gear, they've got the leaderboard. Yeah. Where they have just the cars they test, and that's sort of what we're we're replicating. That's right. Yeah. But they also then have a separate board for supercars. Okay. Because they they can't compare. Uh, Subaru WRX versus, say, a McLaren F1. Because mm. the, the McLaren F1 will wipe the floor mm-hmm. with these sort of cars. So they've got one one board which is kind of uh, accessible cars, even if some are quite expensive, but they're still accessible. And mm. then they've got the uh, you know the Aventador and the, the F1 and the um, some of those other ridiculous 1,000 yeah, horsepower, like the, yeah. the Bugattis and, and so on. So maybe we, maybe we should have that as well. Yeah, with, maybe uh, we should. The... the Cinema defining movie list. Mm, okay. And then the um, mainstream movies, yeah, yeah. shall we say? Yeah, or yeah, maybe. Yeah, that's right. The the groundbreakers, the something yeah. like that. Yeah. Because we're going to have others when we talk about things like The Matrix as well. Yes, that's right. And The Terminator. And, and there's a few of these movies which. They do shift the yeah. whole game. When, when, when somewhere different. And the reason they're still talked about so many years later. Yeah. Or okay. why they've 
introduce whole genres of film. So we've got one ladder and then we just put in another ladder next to it. Yes, <laughs> we got it, we got it. Because it, it's, we'll it's, have not, a room for it's not right to compare a, you know, a, a minor budget independent film versus... And Alien's kind of a minor independent film, but it, it got taken up. Yeah, yeah. It, and I think it was a, I think it was a very healthy budget for 1979. Anyway, so yeah. it's a thing. So small than Star Wars, small than Star Wars, but yeah. But again, it was a Hollywood produced film. Was, you know, by Fox, as I said before, they actually Star Wars was one of the main reasons they got picked up mm. because uh, the the Fox fellow I can't remember his name is now producer. He was vice president of Fox, I think, at the time. He actually said that had they come in. Like the week earlier, before Star Wars numbers had come in, he would have just yeah gone out to B movie. We're not interested. But after the numbers came in for Star Wars, it's just like, well, we need. Do we have any sci-fi? We need a sci-fi <laughs> film yeah, yeah. now. Yeah, yeah. And on his desk was Alien. It was there right there at the right time. And he went, mm. "We're making this film." Yeah. Uh, they, they even tried to rewrite it and write Dan O'Bannon out. Oh, yeah. Like Dan came into a uh, uh, he he dropped in without an appointment just to sort of say, hey, how's it all going? What's up? And he saw a draft of his script there without his name on the script. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, yeah. it had, the, um, had the two producers' names. And he's like, oh, uh, that's interesting. What have you done? And the guy said, oh, yeah, you weren't supposed to see that one. <laughs> <laughs> apparently all they, what they'd done is they'd, they'd written a bunch of stuff in there and changed the names of all the characters right. in the hope that they could basically get away with the film. But they, they were not science fiction writers they weren't interested in science fiction yeah. and apparently they, they, apparently even they went yeah okay so our script just won't fly yeah yeah we will give you the writing we'll credits. give you the credit pay you a couple of dollars yeah. <laughs> so you leave us alone just going to show that what hollywood's all about or at least what it was about and it probably still is but it's i think it still is it sounds like that I, I like that idea that the guy's like oh the numbers of star wars are good what do we have that science alien there we go go yeah. for that <laughs> And it's, I'll it's, put money in that. It's disappointing because I think yeah. from a creative point of view, you used to get going, I think these things should be about the merit of the inspiration, yeah, of the creativity, course. the artistic effort. But it's not. But the people who actually have the and that's why artists don't have money. Yeah. The people who have the money go, you know what it's actually about is selling product. That's right. If you're yeah. not selling product, your artistic vision gets nowhere. That's it. So you've got to find that, that meeting point of the if two. If you scream in a forest and no one's there... Does, does anyone hear it? You know. But if you make a movie about that where there's a lumberjack who lost his son in a terrible accident and has been scarred and so now he hunts down anyone who screams in forests, Yeah. there's our next film. There we Done. go. Done. Horror film. Okay, so let's let's go best scene, worst scene. Uh, I would like... We're going to... We'll alternate, of course. I've got a couple. What's your best scene? Well, I kind of probably mentioned them already a little bit, but the bursting out of Kane's chest... I mean, come on. It's basically the scene that sold the movie. Yeah, but it's just, it's it's so brutal because, you know, like they're there and they're happy and he's feeling good and they're eating and he's saying how hungry he is <laughs> and they're sort of joking and then they're talking about, okay, well, now we're going back to Earth. It's 10 months and they're, they're sort of like, oh, the quarantine thing didn't really matter. He's okay. And then just, you know, one scoop of uh, whatever he's eating, the cereal or the breakfast or whatever yeah, it is. And then, or something. I don't know what it is. But anyway, he just starts coughing and spluttering and then he's on the table and he's, you know, and, he, and he's shaking and they're trying to do the whole, you know, spoon in the mouth thing, but he's too violently aggressive about it all. And then there's like that crack and a blood spurt, you know, and then, uh, you know, and they, then, they're and all then a bit they were suddenly shocked. settles. Yeah, yeah, settles. Good. 
and then everyone, it stops. Yep. And everyone like, looks around. freaking out because, you know, he's got a big pool of blood on his chest and, and, and then, then it boom. goes again. You know, and, yeah. then, and he goes off again and then the alien emerges. It's just like, and, and they're all freaked out by it, aren't they? You know, and it's like, it's a, it's a lovely freaking out because it is, it's like a little baby alien. So it's not a terrifying, you know, the, the alien adult that we're faced with later and, in the film, but. And that shows up in the way they try to handle it. That's okay. right. Yeah. Oh, we'll just go around with little shock prods That's and we'll just it. And we'll get just in a little net and, yeah, and yeah. try to get rid of it. You know, like it's, it's just, just this little creature. You know, we can we can get it. You know, they're, they're scared of it. You can see they're scared of it, but you know, more like chasing down a, a rat or yeah. a big spider. That's or right. Yeah. So we'll treat it like that. I, oh, but that scene. But I mean, you know the the story of how Ridley filmed that one? No. No. Dude, the reason the shock is because the actors. Had all, I mean, the only person who knew how that scene was going to play out was John Hurt, mm. Kane. The only other actors have been told, yeah, he's going to start coughing and he'll choke and you've got to try and... Um, help him. Help him. He's, he's going to have a bit of a fit. And so that's what they're doing. They're, they're doing that fit. They didn't know he was wired up with blood spurt. Yep. So when that when he sort of arched his back and there was that, <laughs> yeah. that initial little splash of blood, everyone went back in shock because they didn't know that was going to happen. Yeah. That was a little... Little little syringe <laughs> injection there of, of yeah, blood. Yeah. And then when Lambert gets sprayed with blood, also she was not told. Yeah. The actress was not told that was going to happen. So there was an initial bit and they all saw that shocked. So they're literally... And, they're and ju- they're just about to go, was that what we're meant to do? <laughs> yeah. When he starts thrashing again. Yeah, yeah. So they're... And then there's a big spurt of blood which goes over Lambert's character and she, she pulls back so revolted. Yeah. And just like, oh, that's because the actress, she didn't know that. That's someone squirted her with blood mm. by surprise. Yep. And that was her genuine reaction of being sprayed <laughs> with something gross. And I, I did I did read that uh, Ridley kept the alien creature design. The whole thing was hidden, you know, like mm. from the other actors, like until they had to see it. So they'd shot, they shot the rest of the film. They'd shot so much of the film before they got to see the creature itself. And I would presume it was probably that same, that scene might've been the first time they sort of had a bit of a view of what yeah, it might the, look the like, even though it is just a phallic, phallic shoots <laughs> out of his chest. Yeah. But that, but I mean like I, and I remembered watching it today, like you kind of I jump a little bit and I'm not a big jumper in films, you know, but I jumped a little bit, even though knowing that's going to happen, I think the sound effects, the, the fact that this thing has been implanted in him and then comes out of him, there's no way of stopping it, you know, in, in, in films and stories, you know, horror things or animals attack. Mm. You always feel as a human, maybe you could fight it away, but it's inside him. It's coming out, you know, and, and then, and, and it's, and it's so violent that it, ha- and it happens so quickly. You know, he goes from being feeling really good to feeling really bad. Um, and that sound effect of the chest cracking and stuff, I do remember not so much this time, but previously feeling my chest. Like yeah. it's like you feel your own body a little bit, it you know. It feels pretty bad. And it's a bit like, you know, what, um, if you actually dissect an animal or something, you can, kind of, I don't know, I've had that experience of sort of feeling like cutting myself, you know, from mm. dissecting an animal or something, you know. And, and, I, and I remember watching Alien previously and kind of like, oh, it's like you feel your chest kind of contract a little bit. <laughs> so I think it's amazing. I reckon that scene is just brilliant. Yeah. It's a bit like the, the bear attack scene in The Revenant. Uh, yeah, that's a, that's just a, that, a that, modern that brutal equivalent. onslaught yeah. of there's, there's nothing you can do. And there's a little, again, yeah. there's a little pause mm. where you think, okay, so that's the worst of it. Uh, yeah, and yeah, no, I, no, no, it's not actually. 
There's the rest yes. coming now. That is actually a really good comparison, sorry, to it, a modern day version of that. And it's talked that. about yeah. a lot as well, that, that yeah. hair scene. Yeah, how horrific that scene is, yeah. Um, it's, it's actually the reason I didn't watch that movie for a long time, was because <laughs> I was like, oh, do I really want to see a movie about a dude who gets totally destroyed by a bear, dragged yeah. himself through? I ended up doing it because I love Leo. Yeah. Uh, and it turns out it's actually quite Yeah, it's quite a great movie. It's a great movie. What about you? What are, what are the best scene? Best scene. Uh, Beyond that one. <laughs> other than that one. We won't talk about that one. We'll talk about it. Uh, Another scene. There's a scene where they are hunting for the little critter and it's Ripley and Parker and Brett and they're walking down and they go down to the bowels of the ship. It's the first time they sort of been down into mm. the industrial portions. Uh, previously, they've been in the crew quarters and, and yeah. the sort of habitable areas, which, which we'll talk about the design later because that's really fascinating. But come down there and it's just such a beautiful shot where it's a still low angle yep and there's sort of this bronze coppery light filtering through grills and there's a little yeah, bit of yeah. mist and the whole thing just looks like this um uh it, it looks like an artwork you can well oh, imagine that yeah, yeah. that it was, it was just so beautifully rendered and it's all there's no computer graphics in there that's Someone really? actually managed to yep. create that for reals, and they walk into there. They don't seem like they should be in there because it's it, is, it almost looks like uh, walking to the pharaoh's tomb. That's you right. Know, yeah. Sort of. Um, uh, it it shouldn't be where people are. And so at one time it looks very beautiful because of the the lighting and the and the shadows and the uh, symmetry of the equipment. And then at the other time though, it, it's very industrial and uh, it has an almost greasy look to it, like. Yeah, like, like it's a place for machinery, not for mm, people. Yeah. And the whole scene there where they walk through and they find Jonesy the cat, and we all know that, ah, it's a cat. No, it's not. You're going to die. As soon as you find a cat, you're going to die. This is the way this works. And then Brett walks in. He walks through to the next room hmm. by himself, which, again, we all know is, means he's going to die. But there's a heartbeat starts. Mm, you yeah, start to hear, yeah. and it's you realize it's been there the whole time. It's sort of almost a throbbing of the ship because yeah, yeah. it's in this industrial zone. But the heartbeat is going, and again, it's this beautiful room. There's yeah, water yeah. trickling down. He, he takes his hat off, he lifts his head up, and lets the water drip yeah, on his face, yeah. almost like he's in a tropical oasis. Yeah, a waterfall. And yeah, maybe for a mechanic, it, it yeah. is a, a bit of an oasis yeah. for him. And it's so cool because the camera sort of moves up and around, there's like jingling chains. Yeah. And when you first watch that scene you don't realize it but you've got a full reveal of the alien mm. it is hanging there yeah in its entirety you can see it but because it's got this smooth almost metallic mechanical look to it anyway it looks like it's part of all the other machinery around yeah i never when i watched it uh, the other night that's when i sort of saw that and went holy crap that's the whole alien like you're thinking in this movie you watch it the first time and you think I barely got to see the alien yeah. like like you see the occasional like mouth movement, or like, or the someone gets grabbed or something. You know, yeah. in a typical, don't get to see it. But so early on, you get the full reveal, but you don't know that it's the full reveal. Yeah, quite possibly. You know, I remember not. I don't even remember seeing it there, but I saw it there. It's just dangling off the chain. Yeah, it's just moving uh, in time with all the other chains and things. Yeah. So it just looks like a piece of equipment because there's other bits of equipment around. Yeah, the room. that's right. It's only because I know what the alien looks like now. That's so, and so that scene, incredible foreshadowing there. Yeah. Not even realizing it. Maybe if you're pretty quick on the uptake, when it drops down and grabs Brett and pulls him away, you'd go, oh, hang on, I saw that just before. Yeah. And uh, so, yeah, that, that I think is just a great scene. Mm. It, it builds that tension, you get the heartbeat, and so you, you know something's going to happen. You know it's not just the cat. And the cat goes, you know, and, and he said, what? 
What? And you see, <laughs> what? It, it adds a lot of terror to the alien creature, but as well, because mm. as you said, he comes in and he, he kind of like, you know, it is an oasis. He lifts his cap. So he's basically looking up at it. Yeah. But it's also looking it. at him, right? Yeah. So when you think about that sort of scene, this creature is not just a, you know, so animals quite often attack because they're cornered and stuff. No, this creature hunts, doesn't it? Mm. You know, and, and, we, and we, so we, it adds, adds a lot more horror to that particular creature that it's dangling there waiting for just the right moment, you know. <laughs> and it's a great, it's beautiful, beautifully shot, that scene with the chains, you know, like they're, dead and they're just the sound because there's not much other sound. And There's the heartbeat. At the time we're also sort of thinking it's just that little critter. Yeah, that's and it. So we're we don't know, yeah. That's the, the size reveal. of the cat that's it. to yep. launch out yep. uh, and, and attack yep. and, and do something frightening like the face hugger, you know, something that's unusually it. unexpected. We're not expecting... Yep. A, a fully grown alien fellow. Yeah, because the last time we saw it, it's the size of, you know, it's the tiny little so penis thing. A beer bottle. <laughs> okay, we'll go penis. 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 It's like a penis, yeah. yeah. Dallas. A, a bit smaller than mine, but... Yeah. <laughs> um, Dallas in the air vents, which, you know, look, I mean, there's that episode of The Simpsons where they joke, they do that exact same joke, um, you know, where he's up in the air vent and uh, the Santa's little helper's coming up behind him. Uh, with the beep, 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 yes, beep, yes. beep, beep, you know, and so many other films, aliens do it as well. And they, it's yeah, just, I, it's such a like iconic horror now idea, isn't it? You know, like we know where one person is oh, and we can see the creature and it's coming towards you. It's right you. on top of you. It's, it's right, right on top of you. And then, and then of course we cut to you, the character and it's not on top of them, but you yeah. know, beep, 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 you know, like, oh, it's just such a good scene. And I think in a way... Oh, I'd... you know what? I was watching Jurassic Park 3 the other night with yep. the kids. And they probably do it And the, yeah, the, the, the sat phone. Right, yep. So the, Same the idea. sat phone is on this fellow who gets eaten by the dinosaur. Ah, that's right. Yes, and every now and then you hear the ringing of the phone. That's it. And that sort of announces, that thing, almost like the, the TikTok crocodile from Peter Pan. But yeah. it announces the dinosaur is coming, so it gives you that tension of, oh no, the phone, whose phone is that? Uh-oh. <laughs> Is it, yes, it's that same thing as it's right, it's here somewhere. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, felt, I felt as well by then, Dallas, the captain, you're, you are on his side. Like he's showing you a he lot of really good things. He saves the cat. Yeah, he saved the cat. He's, Cause he's he, you know, like he's really he shown that he is a captain. The, yeah, he volunteers said, to no, go I'm in. I'm doing that. Yeah, yeah, I'm going in. He's very sturdy about that. And mm. I, I felt by that point in the film, you know, you knew you knew a bit more about him. And, yeah. and even though he was the captain and maybe at the beginning it felt like he knows a bit more of what's going on and with that whole sort of argument with Ripley about bringing um, Kane back on board, uh, you sort of were more on Ripley's side, whereas but by that scene in the vent, you are on his side and you feel for him, like you really feel for him, I think. So it's a real powerful scene, that one. And but it's just yeah, I, I jumped again when I watched <laughs> watched it this time through. It's like, it's like it's crazy. You know exactly what's about to happen. He's right there. He's he's underneath you. He's right there in the dark, right next to you the whole time. And, so um, I've got yeah. another. My second favorite scene is in the escape shuttle mm-hmm. when uh, Ripley is uh, she's checking some systems or something rather, and the alien is right yeah, in front of her. Oh, I love and that it's too. again like it just looks like that big smooth head. Just looks yeah. like some other like. There's a number of pipes and things yep. about the place. He's kind of cool. And so he's in there, he? and 
it's just that then it moves and you go, oh, holy crap. Yeah. Uh, she freaks out, runs into the cupboard. And yeah. I, I like the fact that it's not, it's not trying to get her anything. No, it's like, no. Again, it's very alien. You don't know yeah. what the hell is it doing. It's just kind of curled up in there yep. and it moves a bit and she goes, holy shit, and she runs off and she jumps in the cupboard and locks, and then she looks out and it's still just kind of in there. It's not yeah. trying to get it. It's just adjusting itself. Yeah, yeah. Like it's so maybe it's a, asleep? Like I don't it's know. hibernating. Yeah, it's yeah. just going, oh, yeah, I'm just going to have a bit of a rest. Yep. Well, it's killed all those people. It needs a bit of time out. Yeah, right. needs a rest. Well, actually, in the director's cut, you find it hasn't killed all of them. Uh, this is something that um, it's in the director's cut. It's in the novel. I've read the novel, right. Alien, and obviously it's carried on in Aliens. But she, when she sets the self destruct, yeah, I think in the theatrical release she sets the self destruct. She goes out through the steam tunnel, and then she basically climbs in uh, and puts Jones uh, his, his cage into the shuttle. Yep. And the alien's there. Yeah. So then she runs off and runs back to the self-destruct to, to try it. and stop yeah, the self-destruct. Yeah. In the director's cut, she sets the self-destruct and she goes down and she goes down an extra level and she walks into some, we don't know where it is, but there's all of this alien growth, you know, Giga-esque growth on the walls and things. Yeah. And Dallas and Brett are cocooned on the walls, all covered in growth, yuck stuff. Yeah, yeah. Like in Aliens. Yes. They're all, so yeah. they're all up in the walls there. And Dallas is moaning and says, ah, oh, kill me or some such. Yeah, right. And then she flamethrows them. Yeah. Which, realise now, I'm looking at Aliens, I'm going, they just copied a couple of these scenes from yeah, Alien. Yeah. They just totally copied. Scene where she's walking through corridors with a flamethrower. Yeah, yeah, So, anyway, yeah, so they didn't actually... So the Alien cocooned a couple of the people and ate a couple of the people. Right. And then she gets back into there and then she gets into her shuttle. Sees the Alien runs, runs back and... Tries to stop it too late. I love that the fact that she's too late to stop this. Yeah. yeah. Then she ends up going back to the child and goes, oh, okay. It must have chased me out and then lost me. And then we, we find out, in fact, that the alien is there. Yeah, once it's too late, <laughs> she's off in this tiny but little I love, I love that scene because we yeah. get that, oh, my God, the alien's right behind you. It's going to get to you. How yeah. is she going to escape? Yeah. No, the alien's just kind of still nestled in there doing mm. its own thing. Yeah, like, yeah. It doesn't seem to care about her all that much. No. It's only when she presses those buttons and makes the It was full then. The that, steam From fans. what you've just told me in the director's cut, it's basically like it was full. It was having it, a rest, I reckon. It was waiting. It didn't yeah. know that the shit was going to self-destruct. No. It was just fun. Like, no one was going in that shuttle. That's right. It was quiet space. It was quiet so. little place to... Yeah, yeah I love that myself too. I had that down as the best scene because it's just... It, it, it's so such a good... You know, again, you kind of think, oh, she's okay. She's okay. And I actually the, the, wonder the how plot, many people like, left, like if it was on TV or whatever, you know, there's a <laughs> thing where she stops. Like, oh, that's it. Change the channel. She breathes out and she goes, oh, I got you, you bastard. Yeah. And, yeah. and you think, oh, okay. And you, that's when credits roll. Yeah, that's it. But instead. There's another twist to it. Yeah, I, wonder how many, I wonder how many, there must be some proportion of people who watched it. And if you're one of those people listening to this going, there was more? <laughs> <laughs> Let us know because there must be some proportion of people who got to that point and went, yeah, yeah, it's bedtime now, yeah. and got up and went off to bed thinking that the alien it. got killed in the explosion of the That's factory. It. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no. Yeah, so it's a it's a great scene, and then even because again, even as a story, that's what I was saying earlier. Like even as a story, it's like. You know, she's okay. Like it's it's that promise, isn't it? That oh, she's okay. She's made it. You, you and can then finally breathe out. You relax. can rest. You yeah. can. She's okay because. Because even in your brain, you're like, if that creature's in this little pod, she's fucked. She's, yeah, she's, she's in trouble. You she's know, like, So the fact that then she accidentally discovers it, and I think even when you were just describing there, I hadn't thought of it watching it, but 
you know, it's kind of like discovering a huge python or something, you know, like yeah. it's, it's just there and you know it would be there, what would you do? You know, if it's all coiled up in your, like coiled up in your car engine, for example, yeah. and you're like, it could strike at you, but it's not. So what the hell do you do? You know, and you've got to kind of deal with it, don't you? Well, the old huntsman under the, uh, <laughs> the, 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 the light show, the sunshade, you pull a blind down, there's just this great big huntsman there. You say, yeah, yeah. put the blind back up and go, my, that's right it's gonna stay there you I can't hope. pull over yeah i don't know but it's a good great scene isn't it yeah mm. and so with worse scenes i i don't really have any for this film i can't worst really think scene. of a worse scene in this film to be honest like okay. what's bad about now, what is bad about alien there is one spot kane uh sorry ash has had his head knocked off and they're reconnecting him yep and they're pushing this clearly a silicon rubber yep. head yeah, on yeah, the ground yeah. it's a terrible cut between pushing that head to the ground and then, and then Ash to talking. The ash, yeah. And I, I think with the care that was taken of the rest of the film, could they not have cut away to another actor's reaction, like looking a bit frustrated or maybe a shot over the shoulder so he can't see the head, then shot back on Ash as the human head. But actually it was a... It's a direct cut, it's yeah. A, it's a hard cut and it just... I, when I saw it, I just went, oh, that was... <laughs> what the hell was that? <laughs> You can so, see the difference between the two. Yeah, so so that that's the only bit in that movie where I think, you know what, that's kind of... It gives it the 99.9%, does yeah, it, sorry? Yeah, what, what, what was he doing? Like, well, there must have been some set of circumstances where the editors are sitting there going over that scene, going, okay, we, we've got... Obviously, this is all we've got. This is all we've, we've got. got. <laughs> and they're going, we can't put anything else in there. Like, oh, it'll be okay. And I think the, the first time you watch it, you probably don't really notice it. Yeah, I, re- I think so. I think so. Because te- it's a very, it's, there's a lot of tension to that point, isn't mm. there? You know, like with him trying to get Ripley and then them fighting him and there's all that white. I oh. seem to remember when I did watch this way back, it's like all that white ooze that comes out of him. Yeah. Like it's pouring out of him. It's, it's sprays, sprays Parker. And it's spray, you know, like it's really good. He's really oozy, you know. Like well, the really so. cool thing is, my wife hadn't seen this movie, right? Okay. Or, or if she had, it was a long time oh, ago she'd yeah. gone about. It. So when Ash comes out, you know, they, they have their initial little scuffle, mm. and so Ripley's got a bit of a blood nose, and yeah. Ash comes out. It's a little drip of white yeah, coming out of his head. Right. Yeah, my wife's sort of going. I can see her frowning. Yeah, like what is like, that? Yeah, and then he just sort of wipes it away, and you, I could see my wife sort of going, just dismissing it, going. Yeah, maybe it's something from the machinery or yeah, something. Yeah. Like that. Who knows what the hell that is? It doesn't seem important. And then he sort of grabs her hair and he, he, he she bashes him and he starts making funny noises and and she's like, "What? What the hell's going on? <laughs> is he possessed or something?" Yeah, yeah. And I, and I just you know I was going, <laughs> you know? "It's a good secret, yeah." Because then luckily it didn't go on for too long because confusion goes on for too long. It ends up being like. This is just silly. Yeah, is, yeah. But yeah, she bashed them with a fire extinguisher. I've I've got a little bit of bit of that uh, in an exit plan. I make a surprisingly large number of pop culture references, which maybe you've got to be a bit clever to notice. But there's a character in there. She on multiple occasions uses a handy fire extinguisher to bash something in the head to win <laughs> the day. Yeah. And Sigourney Weaver as Ripley bashing Ash in the head, knocking his head. Off. It was a Lambert actually did it. Yeah. Yeah, it was Lambert who did it. Bashed him on the head, knocked his head clean, free. And then my wife's then went, oh, oh, he was a robot. What, what was he doing? 
Oh, is this because he was, he was, is this why he was following those orders and hurting people? And I'm like, yeah, yeah, she's, she's getting it. <laughs> it was like a little discovery. Like, yeah, yeah. Someone's first time. Oh, it's beautiful. I, I agree. And I think that hard cut you're talking about, I think when you first watch it, because there has been a fair bit of tension that maybe mm. it's a bit forgiven, you know, your, yeah. eye, your eyes forgive it a little bit. You know? I think also in 2019, you're looking at something, it's a 40 year old movie. Yeah. They didn't have. CGI, so no. they couldn't because nowadays they wouldn't have had a cut there, they would have just had a CGI. Yeah, it head. just totally the whole thing would be CGI now. Uh, yeah, yeah, they would have had his head, real head, CGI'd on top of this thing that they yep. would have had, and you know, yeah. whatever. So, it, would have, it would have been his real head the whole time now. That's the thing. So, you know, just CGI put in, yeah. cut and paste, you know, it can float, it can do anything. So, yeah, definitely. And I have to say, actually, I was looking at to see because we're going to talk about, um, uh, we'll talk about some of the science that's yeah, shown here, but I just want to say that for a 40 year old movie, the special effects hold up remarkably well. I think so, yeah. There's, yep. uh, there's a couple long shots of the spaceship outside where it looks a bit modelly, but otherwise totally forgivable. Yeah, yeah. And, when... and there's a couple of shots where the alien is acting where they, yeah, they've clearly used short, sharp cuts. Yeah. To hide, pardon me, the, um, the human-like movement of the alien. Yeah, yeah. I suppose which... But I think modern films are often guilty of doing the other way, where they rely on the CG too much. That's right. And you end up with something that looks obviously computer Let's animated. See. Yeah, yeah. And then that kind of also does the other direction. But I, I think the special effects did hold up quite well because they did do a lot of it with the puppetry. And that's the thing with Ash's head again... You know, it's it's hit and miss whether it, it holds the test of time because it it sort of does in a way. You know, that particular shot you're talking about, not so much, but like him, be, that sort of CGI, it it it, work, it works. I think mm. you know that he's this synthetic human, and they've beaten him up to a pulp, and his head's half off the thing. You know, they put a lot of it's a lot of attention to detail in those in the in those technologies. You know, the spaceship. When they land on the planet as well, uh, the, you know, the, the, the set designs of the interior of the spaceship, yeah, totally believable. Like, could, yeah, you, I, I suppose you sort of do spot that it's. Uh, I think because the film technology, the actual film stock used, and the filters and the color grading they used back in the day, you can see the choices in you know, saturation and color levels and so forth uh, dated. Yeah, but the actual set design. And the shot sequences and the action and so forth, I don't think have dated. No, I think, I think it's yeah, I totally relevant still. Yep. And some of those close-ups of the the alien, uh, which one is it? When when Parker is picked up, and then we get this close-up of the alien's face, and his jaw opens, and it's just pouring down with that clear fluid, <laughs> and it's it's this weird sort of almost metallic-looking teeth. Yeah, yeah. And that inner mouth shoots out and crashes through his skull or yeah. chest or whatever. It's a bit gross, whatever yeah. he smashes into. That that scene is almost, uh, it's almost, a, it's a poster just yeah. waiting to happen. Yeah. You know, it's, it's beautiful. Yeah, it is. But I was looking at, I mean, in this movie, it's not, surprisingly for a science fiction movie, there's not a lot of science talked about because most of it is about the tension of the alien. Mm-hmm. Uh, but something that, that is used is, and they talk about it a few times, is the freezing, you know, suspended animation. Yep. And it was in Passengers as well. It was yeah. a primary sort of plot point. And in this one here, they kept sort of saying that the other, the scene opens with uh, the pod opening and Kane getting up, and yep. you can clearly see he's he's feeling unpleasant, which seems to be the accepted 
experience of waking up from suspended animation. <clears throat> if you look at every other movie that's ever done it, they always wake up and they're, they're groggy and yeah. they feel gross. Uh, and no doubt we're going to need suspended animation to travel. I mean, until we develop the level of technology where some little instantaneous travel is possible. And even, even in Alien, they were talking, they landed on the ship and they came back up and Lambert said, oh, calculating the fuel used and the going off course nice for we're going to be 10 months before we get home. And you think, geez, 10 months, that's pretty quick yeah. to get anywhere in space. It takes uh, weeks to get to the moon. They're talking about uh, nine months to Mars type yeah. of thing. And this, this action is taking well outside yeah. of Earth space. Well, they do, when they do realise that they're not near in Earth, you know, right? Yeah. When they do wake up, they're like, where are we? They're like, we're not anywhere at all yeah. near our solar system. They, so, they do say that. But so. they're surprised. Ten months ago, just ten months. Like, yeah. that's a long time. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so, so they obviously do travel very quickly. But even still, it's, it seems to be months is yeah. the expected travel time. And clearly, it's far more efficient to just shut everyone down and only have not because most of space travel is uh, incredibly boring. Yeah. The nine month trip to Mars that will probably take a good eight months and three weeks of that will just be silent traveling through totally empty space doing <laughs> nothing. And then there'll be like a couple of days at the start and a couple of days at the end where they've got to do something. Yeah. So you, there's no point in having all that life support carrying people around for all that time. And they're talking 10 months. I think they're more concerned about the fact that uh, everyone else they know will have travelled on 10 months while they're off sleeping. Yeah. Because they themselves don't, it will probably not age. So there's a lot of research going into this concept of suspended animation, mm -hmm. not so much for space travel at, at the moment, although that will be helpful because if we could actually remove the requirement to have life support for people for that period of time, you want to send someone to... Uh, Alpha Centauri, no, Alpha Proxima, which is like the first, the closest stars, yeah. four light years. It's still, even if you could travel at, you know, ten percent the speed of light, that's forty years, yeah, yeah. roughly speaking. Yeah. Uh, time dilation means they're only going to experience twenty something years, but it's still, we're talking years and years yeah, yeah, yeah. of basically sitting in a small room where nothing happens. <laughs> there's no weather. There's no day-night cycle. The science fiction movies would have you think that there's amazing sights every other day and they're passing stars. They're not. It's just... Uh, a lot of nothing, probably. For a... It's even more nothing than the middle of the Pacific Ocean. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I've been on a boat uh, in the middle of uh, one of the great lakes, Lake Ontario in Canada. It's a, it's a lake that's big enough that when you're sailing out there, you cannot see shore. We could not yeah. see another ship, a boat, nothing. And it's a perfectly clear, sunny day, perfect visibility to the horizon, relatively flat water every direction yeah and that's just a lake here on earth you yeah. go out the space where you're talking it will literally take years to even approach the proximity of anything mm. and yeah you might as well just be asleep because there's, there's no point your computer systems don't even have to do anything yeah they'll, they'll just be asleep as well yeah yeah uh so but more uh, closer to home i guess we, we'd use it for uh surgery or for um you know, recovery from from injury or um, or just I, I always thought it'd be good if you could actually have your eight hours sleep. Could you imagine if you had eight hours sleep but you didn't age for those yeah. eight hours? Yeah. You'd get back a third of your life. Yeah. So you'd live an extra, let's say average 80 years, you'd live an extra 20 or so years Yeah. just because you weren't aging at night. Yeah. So 
uh, you know, a lot of research has gone into it, and there's a number of different ways that it can be achieved. You can either go into hibernation, which is like bears and squirrels and so on do, which is a natural slowing of your biology, and that lasts, you know, that, that can last, they, they do it for months yeah. at a time. They lose a lot of body weight. Humans are not able to do that. We don't have the biological capacity. They've got, uh, you know, bears and um, these little hamsters and things, which do it have, have special types of fat cells mm. and things which allow them to do that. The other way is through lowering body temperature. This is used currently for, uh, you know, car crash uh, or high trauma victims where they at risk of losing a lot of blood. Mm-hmm. So you drop the body, the body temperature down, all your biological processes slow down. Mm-hmm. Uh, the amount of blood your brain needs, the amount of oxygen your brain needs specifically drops a lot. But you can only do this for short periods. And that's because different chemical reactions in your body slow down at a different rate. Mm-hmm. So your heart will start slow down its pumping. Your, your, your blood will uh, deliver oxygen slower. But there are some cells which require more oxygen. You know, we're tuned to you're operating about 36 so degree centigrade and that's where all of our biological processes come into alignment so you drop the temperature down to about 10 degrees a lot of everything slows down now, everything does slow down but at different rates yeah so after time you'll reach this threshold where some parts of your body start failing because they're running faster than the other parts which is supposed mm. to be supplying goods to them so we don't do that for for minutes for 30 minutes two hours that sort of thing yeah and then of course it's freezing totally freezing and this would work for years or decades except for the small fact we can't survive freezing mm. which, that's a real shame some animals can which is surprising but the reason we can't and i think most people understand this is that between zero and four degrees water expands unlike just about everything else in the world which shrinks as it gets colder zero to four degrees water actually expands this is why ice floats on top of water because it's it's less dense than water is whereas everything else when it cools down becomes more dense and will sink so if you get it expanding and you've got uh your body's cells are big enough to hold the amount of water they have currently they, they're going to have to stretch by by some amount and they'll pop and that that's what happens you start getting rupturing uh, it is possible if you freeze something quickly enough so that the transition through that zero to four degree section is fast enough that you get through to the other side that it'll actually yeah. freeze solid before it gets to expand, then yes, you can do that and you can get uh, smooth, uh, you know, vitreous, or, uh, sorry, vitrified water. Yeah. So it doesn't have crystals. It's a very tiny crystal structure. So yeah, you could do that. And that works on individual cell levels. So we can cryogenically freeze sperm and skin cells mm-hmm. and so forth. But the problem is the human body is too thick. You can't cool it fast enough to get through the whole mass of your body such that your core will freeze fast enough. And so you end up with uh, crystals forming, which are very sharp, and they cut you up. So all of those people who have had their heads cryogenically frozen, they're dead. They are not coming back. (laughs) It's not possible under any known science for them to be returned to life. Oh, come on. Don't ruin the idea Walt Disney might come back one day. Well, there is this... There is... (laughs) A thought, and if some some people have been frozen in this fashion, is if you replace, if you dehydrate and replace with some other like antifreeze. Yeah. And this is what some frogs and other amphibians do. They actually have, uh, they can start concentrating uh, a type of glucose into their bloodstream, so they basically become diabetic. And sugar water freezes uh, more evenly than does normal water so they will they will freeze they've got they basically flood their body with antifreeze 
yeah, by right. releasing those blood sugars. The sugars out of their muscles into their blood, yep. and they'll freeze. So there is a thought that we could, say, genetically modify people or, in fact, replace our blood. Because remember, these people are dead. They've, they had their heads chopped off. Yeah. Replace their blood with some sort of antifreeze, then freeze them so they don't suffer the damage. Right. But now you've got a head full of some chemical which is not supposed to be there. So when yeah. you defrost them, you, 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 you've got yeah. a pickled brain. Yeah, it's not great. And, I mean, in passengers, I suppose they – it was implied a bit in passengers that uh, they they came back to life in a way, wasn't it? Because it was almost like – because they got like they got injected with something. Yeah. And then they then their heart started beating, et cetera. Yeah. So whatever their hypersleep kind of yeah, so stage, sort of they were a more bit like, – uh, More like a hibernation that's, style. Yeah, Because yeah. there are some ideas put forward that we could uh, introduce um, – Say genetic modification yeah. to humans to allow for hibernation. Of course, yeah, yeah. Or if you could you know, come up with some sort of remarkable chemistry that you could introduce into someone's body so that yeah. they could hibernate. Well, like you said, the bear. What the bears have, if you could take that and put it in the humans, yeah. real idea. And talking of bears, you've got these things called tardigrades. I don't know if you've ever heard of them. They're called water bears. Okay. There's tiny little, maybe a millimeter or less in size. Right. Eight-legged little critters. Yeah. Uh, they just for everyone at home. Do a Google search and you'll see a picture of it. It's mentioned in uh, Star Trek Discovery. In fact, they find a great big tardigrade. Right. But they're remarkable in that they can live at, they can survive incredible extremes. A lot of research going into finding out how it is they manage to do this. And so here's, here's a few things. So temperatures, they can survive 30 years at minus 20 degrees centigrade. Mm-hmm. And they can even survive a few minutes at minus 272 centigrade. That's one Kelvin. That's liquid nitrogen, basically. You tip liquid nitrogen on them, uh, for leave them in there for a couple of minutes, pull them out, they'll be okay. Right. Uh, they can survive at 1,200 times atmospheric pressure, mm. uh, the vacuum of space, 6,000 atmospheres. So that's like at four kilometers underwater. They can, not a problem for them. Uh, dehydration, they can dehydrate down. That's right, there was a one specimen that was a 120-year-old specimen found in dried moss that they, yeah, bit of water on it and it perked back up and it was around around the king. These things don't die. It's sort of like they can survive extinction-level events on our planet, which will wipe out everything else. So gamma radiation bursts, solar Mm. flares, God knows what else. Uh, These would be the guys that would stay on. These will still be here. Uh, They're talking about like a thousand times more radiation they can withstand than other animals. Incredible. So obviously research is looking at these, what other tricks they have. Yeah. And... Uh, it's a little bit difficult, of course, because uh, these things consist of maybe 40 cells. They're, they're tiny, tiny little things. But they are complex enough that they've got a mouth and they've got a bum and they have reproductive organs. So they're not bacteria. They're, yeah. they're actual little animals. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they're just um, quite remarkable. Yeah, definitely. Which which made me think of the alien as well. Because in, in Alien, it survived on LV-492 in this derelict crashed spaceship these eggs just sat there for however long, unknown amount of yeah. time. We don't know how long it's been there. Uh, we get the feeling it's somewhat old. It's not. It's not in the past ten years or something. Mm-hmm. It's 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 ancient. And they've survived. And it's like they it came alive when it noticed Cain was nearby because all right. the eggs didn't open. Just one. No, just one. Yeah. Quite possibly there's only a few of them that were still viable. Yeah. Many of them might have actually died already. Yeah. And it jumped out, and the atmosphere was not pleasant for humans. Mm-hmm. And Ash makes a comment that it's um, rapidly incorporating something rather silicon into its body to make it a tough outer shell, and yeah. it's worth having. Which made me think of tardigrades there as yeah. well. 
So there's a bit of a link there between hypersleep and Tardigrade's ability to, to hibernate and resist. And there's aliens, uh, just really big versions of Tardigrades, <laughs> able to survive the vacuum of space. Because even at the end when it's knocked out the airlock, yeah. it's still moving around. It's trying to get back on the ship. And it actually... Yeah finds the thruster opening yeah. and sort of curls up in there. Like, yeah. like it seems to want to be going to sleep. Like, yeah. uh, it seems to like curling up in little spaces like a yeah. cockroach. So it was curling up in there. And I, I remember seeing that thinking, yeah, that's not the right place to hide. That's, yeah. that's actually <laughs> the opposite of the right place to hide. Yeah, yeah so it was, it was very interesting. And I would like to see um, suspended animation happen. I quite like there's, uh, there's a couple science fiction novels which deal with it. There's one, the Night's Dawn trilogy. They have a zero tau field. So their idea, though, is you're not freezing someone, you're not you know, reducing their biological signs. You're actually creating a field that they, the person sits inside or anything is inside, yep. and time does not flow inside that bubble. Yeah, right. So it actually yeah, creates a, a totally bubble of zero way. time. Yeah. So when someone's in there, they're straight in, there's no freezing, and when it unfreezes... Time just resumes for them mm. as if nothing, there was no difference in, in this time. And I, I have a feeling that's, when you're talking long-term proper suspend animation, that's more the sort of route you're going to have to go. We're going to yeah. have to come up with a way, we're going to have to have a, a, like a black hole generator yeah. and use it to, which uh, I'll, I could talk about that as well, black hole generation. It's fantastic, this idea of having an industry based on black hole energy. <laughs> And once, because once you create three or four black holes, uh, there it becomes a self-sustaining industry of being able to create new black holes well, that's right. easily. Anyway, yeah, that's it. And using them to power everything else, and so you have a whole economy. But if anyway, once you're at that sort of level, you can start looking at bending space-time. We talked about wormholes before, which requires huge amounts of energy and um, gravity, and so yeah, forth. that's right. And then you can actually, yeah, maybe bend space-time around a person so that they don't experience time. Yeah, well, that, yeah, that would be a totally different way of doing it, wouldn't it? Traveling that that would be it. You'd be you you wouldn't mind. I was a three hundred year voyage. Yeah, so it's pretty much one way because all your friends at home are gone and everything. That's right. But uh, as far as you're concerned, you just get on board the spaceship and then you get off at your destination. Yeah. I think like I think that's why that I in my mind I think about that idea of you would maybe die. Do you know what I mean? Like they mm. would, you would literally hop into the suspended animation, and they kind of kill you in a way. Yeah. And and then you're frozen. You're you're dead, and then you're frozen, kind of from that point of view. You know. So you're and then them bringing you back. So just the technology to be able to bring humans back to life, I suppose. Like well, that that's idea. Ba- it is basically like, what they're doing it because if instead of just say slowing your right down to a point, but an actual like you're dead. Because if all Frozen. brain function ceases, yeah. which you would have to, yeah. so you don't suffer neurological damage, like That's everything right. would have to stop yeah. reacting. Yes. All your chemical reactions would have to stop. Basically. But then they have to be able to be brought back. But what are we if not an ongoing chemical reaction. Yeah. If our chemical reaction, that is us, stops, that's called being dead. Yeah. yeah. So it is it's a mean, matter of dying and being resurrected. Like you said with the people that have been cryogenically frozen their heads, I mean, the brain, it's just, you turn the brain off, you know, I mean, it's hard to bring it back, isn't it? Who knows like, what's coming back? Yeah. Almost but it's gonna, a movie about that <laughs> called Reanimator. Yeah. You bring people's brains back and they're not quite right. That's it. <laughs> well, that's some interesting science anyway. Yeah, and the alien is... 
I mean, he's a science project, isn't he, really? Yeah, you've got to think, try, try and imagine what circumstances would lead to the evolution of such a, an incredible yeah. creature. And, I mean, Ash does say, uh, you know, he's a, he sort of marvels at him a bit, doesn't he, mm. you know? And he's, I mean, because that, and that whole thing about the blood, you know, like the, the acid well, blood, you know? Like, well, it's funny because it's just, I think it's Parker who says, oh, maybe it's got acid for blood. Yeah perfect defense mechanism but i personally don't think it does have acid for blood i think it's more like a uh, like a bombardier beetle or one of these other things you, you heard of a, a bombardier beetle is has got a couple of um uh glands on its back yeah and it squirts these mixtures together which is cause a um a very fast exothermic reaction a very hot reaction like mixing a hydrogen peroxide with um bleach or something yeah and squirts that out at, at and, and, and it's yeah. like, you know, it's, it's 120 degrees centigrade. It's, yeah. it's, it's a more than boiling yeah. temperature and it squirts. And it, for an insect, squirt that on an insect and the insect is not going to be happy. Yep. So I'm, my personal opinion is because it's never actually been demonstrated that it has a circulatory system of concentrated acid. Yeah. It's just that when it's cut, it squirts acid. And, and in the sequels, yeah, when it's injured, acid is squirted. Yeah. My, I like to think that it's, it's probably more likely to be a relatively inert substance in the alien's body because if it was it would dissolve wouldn't it like you know how do these aliens survive if they're filled with an acid capable of eating through everything yeah uh, it's just the strength of that acid is not something that you could easily counteract no but if it wasn't acid until the skin was cut say they've got a couple of layers what if it's of, just a layer underneath they've got a couple skin, layers of membrane yeah yeah and so when you pierce if you were to pierce just the first layer you get yeah, yeah. a relatively unreactive yeah that second one though the two mix That's you've it. got you've got your acid yeah yeah, yeah. and yeah. then if you get through beyond that you're actually into the real the creature actual, itself. yeah yeah that way yeah so when you cut it it squirts an acid out which yes incredible defense mechanism but yeah, I, I would suspect it's not it's blood because it would just be, it would dissolve. <laughs> the alien would dissolve. But there is na- evidence in our own nature yeah, yeah. of creatures able to mix chemical reactions, right. which, which causes problems. Stink bugs also do that. Yeah, yeah. They yeah. don't naturally stink, but yep. if you crush the right parts of them, they... Yeah, and I do know, I think there is some, uh, you know, animals in the ocean that, you know, like um, uh, jellyfish and that, that they don't, you know, they don't have blood at all, you know what I mean? Mm. But they're, they're, they're an organism, so they're swimming around and then there's then there's fish that there's certain fish that the sting doesn't affect that fish but every other fish would yeah, get well, stung clownfish like, yeah. finding nemo well that's right that one's the a anemone. good example but there is and then that fish tends to eat something that the jellyfish then eats its leftovers yeah. so it's kind of like you know they've got that happy harmony going on yeah would you be interesting <laughs> so to see if this alien, alien lived in symbiosis with yeah, something else that's right couldn't it, imagine it seems to be pretty self-sufficient i think so yeah yeah I heard actually, I was listening to a entomologist talking about, uh, on another podcast, Bad Science, they're talking about alien, and they're saying the problem is that there's the alien creature has this unnecessary part of its life cycle, the face hugger. Yeah. So if you're talking about, say, a parasitic wasp, it will lay its eggs directly into something, a larvae will hatch out, eat that something, yep. and then grow into a wasp. So there's egg, larva, than wasp but the alien has you know alien egg face hugger alien, alien. yeah so there's yeah. like four there's this extra step mm-hmm. and he says yeah that wouldn't happen but i have to disagree and you know i'm putting on my own evolutionary biologist hat here because i'm some sort of an expert but as a science fiction enthusiast let me posit this idea that the egg the egg is a necessary part of the alien biology 
because it is clearly highly resistant to adverse conditions. Mm. So that derelict spaceship only had eggs on it. Mm. I suspect if they searched, they'd find dead aliens. Yeah. Old age, hunger, whatever. Suicide maybe even. Uh, perhaps they'd conserve their species they just kill themselves to not use up resources. Yeah. Whatever the case is, but the eggs, on the other hand, can obviously sit in stasis yeah. uh, for a very long time, dormant. The face hugger then is sort of an extension of the egg, yeah. a mobile egg, if you well, will. Well, it is, isn't it? So the, it's the, the outer casing of the egg reveals the inner part of the egg, yeah. which then is able to run around and find a host. And the reason it finds a host is because the alien itself uh, is parasitic. It must, it goes into, say, in this case, old cane and absorbs some part of his dna for example mm-hmm. and so the alien that bursts out of cane now has some sort of adaptive traits from humans yeah because obviously it's in a human environment that's right so it's going to need to be able to breathe our human atmosphere yeah. eat our human food for example yeah or eat us as food so, so that that face hugger hugging on there implanting is the process of taking on traits of the host so it can survive yeah which means that this parasite because most parasites are species-specific. You know, the sort of worms that infect dog, for the most part, don't infect humans. Yes. Fish yeah. parasites don't infect birds. That's right, yep. And so the chances of this alien being able to infect humans, like lay an egg directly into a human and have yeah. it hatch out an alien, is remote. But if this facehugger was kind of like a little biological factory in itself... So the reason it finds a host is because it says, I've been woken up by something, and whatever has woken me up, must be able to survive in the environment that I'm in. Yeah. So I'm going to take its capabilities, yep. become somewhat like it. So an alien that bursts you know, out of a human chest would be different from an alien that bursts out of a Martian's chest yeah, or, yeah. or a cat's chest or yep. something. Yep. Uh, it would have these different traits, which on the assumption you know, would be that would be good for surviving in the environment that this host is founded in. Yeah, yeah. So I would think that yeah, this, this alien species clearly isn't happy doesn't just sit on one planet, it travels. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And Well, it, it, I think that's what they're trying to do is kind of take over the universe in a way, aren't yeah, they? Like and, and if you're going to dominate. travel from planet to planet to environment yeah. to environment, you need some way of adjusting very fast. In one generation, you yeah. have to change from uh, high methane, high carbon dioxide, low mm-hmm. oxygen environment yeah. to a high oxygen, high nitrogen environment. Yeah. You've, you've got to change in one environment. One generation, you have to breed out that way. Yes, definitely. So you can imagine, you know, the alien would come across, maybe the aliens that crashed on that first ship were adapted to that, but he got a hull breach. They couldn't survive in the LV-492 atmosphere. So they they did their best they could and they died. But the eggs sit there in their casings, they're strong. That's right. Until something new that could survive in that environment came along and was humans. Yeah. And, I mean, it's just that it's the old... The DNA continues, doesn't it? Anyway, yeah. like you, you, so yeah, that round of aliens died out because of the harshness of the planet, but they know that the eggs survive to another day. Yeah, so you know, and, and that could be ten years, or it could be a hundred years, or whatever, thousands of years. But then the species comes back a lot back back alive again. Yeah. Although the reality is, they just want to have something horrific in the middle. Yeah. <laughs> horrific right. plot point, but we can we can rationalize it in as yeah. in evolutionary terms or in biological terms in various ways and I, yeah. and I I like to do that I didn't think it was unnecessary I thought it was I thought it was great <laughs> So yeah some of the techni- technicalities that we've got going on well we haven't gone through a detailed plot but we have talked a lot about you did your two sentence plot Yeah I, I think that's the basic plot I think the basics are there 
Um, we do refer back to, you know, it's the monster in the house from the Blake Schneider sort of save the cat sort of example. Yeah. And as, a good, as you said, save the cat, you know, he saves the cat. Um, and so does Ripley, doesn't she? She yeah. saves the cat. Uh, I was thinking when I was watching it this time, like, just leave the bloody cat. <laughs> no, run, run. Well, that's you know, in like, the sequel. And Aliens yeah, yeah. and this time you little shithead, you're staying here. <laughs> yeah. um, there's that great scene, isn't there, where the alien then looks at the cat. Yeah, and taps you know, on the glass. And, and, but, but then when she comes back, the cat's still there, isn't it? Well, so, he, he, he knocks it aside. At yeah. the very, he said taps and looks at it and then... No, I don't need to. Knocks it. He says, what, what is that? That's, You're not really the thing. Um, so great genre. We've talked a bit about that crossing over. The set, oh, how good is the set in this film? It's just amazing. So claustrophobic for the characters. Ridley Scott said he wanted to make it as claustrophobic. The actors apparently did give feedback that they were not that impressed with how small the set was. Um, and he was saying, well, you know, the whole point is I'm, I'm trying to make it claustrophobic for you so that yeah. you're fearful a bit, you know, you're scared. And, and, you know, this has spawned this idea of people being in a maze, you know, in a, in a house that they're locked into and there is some sort of creature monster there. What I loved about the set here is there's three, three separate areas. So there's, uh, when they first wake up and they come out to the dining area, it's white. Yep. It's bright. Bright. Yep. It's uh, smooth yep. finishings. Uh, it's almost passengers like. Yeah, it is like that, isn't it? I wouldn't call it luxury by yep. any stretch, but it's clearly maybe like a a, a nice caravan. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, yep. it's all it's all white and bright. It's a little bit open, but then just through one of the doors, it then goes into that second part of the same yep. sets, which is the grills and pipes yep. and instead of you do you know because they're, they're hauling a, a factory yeah and then the third part is the when they're in the depths of the factory and this big cavernous rooms yeah but filled with weird equipment that's right and it almost looks like it's like a little buggy in one of yep. them and there's another one that almost looks like a, bit like a helicoptery type thing and yeah there's sort of weird you, you can't imagine what purpose why is there like this it looks like a helicopter, you know, like yeah, the, it's yeah. got a dragonfly type of look to it, like cockpit, and that's where they're pulling Lambert and Parker, pulling the uh, the coolant and oxygen yeah. tanks out of there. And you look at it, and it, it looks broken. It doesn't look like it's a complete thing. That's right. So you're going, why, why is that? Like, is that part of the mining operation? Like, they, yeah. you can imagine they have this this thing they're tugging this factory must sit around an asteroid, for example, mm. and gets full up, and they must use these things, and the they're just kind of. That- it's such a huge place that it's just, it's like an old garden shed, you know, where you dig through it and you find like the old lawnmower that you never yeah, bothered fixing. That's right. And it's such a big place that there's just these rooms full of it. So there's, there's three distinct areas. There's the nice, uh, happy area yep. where we get the chest burst scene. And then we have the, the claustrophobic tunnels of the pipes yep. where, where Ripley's rushing through with steam shooting everywhere and mm-hmm. carrying on. And then these these big cavernous weird rooms where the alien yeah sort of hunts them. But I thought I thought that they I quite liked that the ship was like that with the pipes and stuff. You know, it felt real like the cables it was all very. It was a working ship, wasn't it? Yeah, you know, like it, it wasn't a it again wasn't a in passengers. Line, you know, we have that cruise liner thing. This is a, this is working ships. You got all the pipes are all exposed. The vents, as you say, the there's smoke coming out and hot air and stuff like that and different things. It felt. Like, this is what people get treated in the workplace like. You yeah. know, that's the thing. It's not a cruise ship. It's an oil refinery. It's, yeah, it's, it's a mineral right. refinery. Yeah. And, yeah. and it looks like that. It does look like that. They did really well on that. And there's a, a, one of the set designers, I don't know his name, but, you know, coming out of Britain, war-torn Britain, and, 
you know, the industrial sort of revolution coming to an end and unemployment and factories closing. And apparently he had a pretty big say on how that looked. Like that was his look to it, you know, was, was all those pipes and things not quite working 100% well all the time. Duct you know? tape holding yeah, stuff together. Yeah, yeah. So, I, but that was great. The set was great. The mother room as well, you know, that the captain yeah. has all the lights, you know, What's and it's that all very about? dimensional. What do know? all those flashing lights, blinking yeah. lights mean exactly? <laughs> all those blinking lights. And even the bridge itself was kind of, you know, it was a bit claustrophobic, wasn't it? You know, and, and it was weird that there was a bit of a wind in that. Did you, you know, because in the opening shots, like the papers, Flap, and then yeah. later when she does self-destruct, she puts the the self-destruction on. You know, again, it the wind is there's like there's some wind there or something like it's I don't know the dimension of that place. Um, I did think in this, you know, like you could look at it now and the computer screens being like, well, it's 1970s DOS mode and, and the noise, you know, the, <laughs> you know. But I reckon it, again because it's a working ship, you can kind of forgive that a little bit, even oh. though now it's well, 2019, many- like. How many bank tellers? Uh, I've gone to yeah. a bank, and you, yeah. and you and you can sort of see the screens they're using, yeah. and they're still using uh, the old platforms. Agent. Some of them, sometimes that little window will come, and we'll see with the black and green. Yep. yep. And other times it'll be like clearly Windows ninety five or yep. three eleven. Like it's yep. just even ancient. ATMs can be like that, can't they? You know, yeah. some ATMs are, they've modernised, but some ATMs are like what is this? Is the same ATM that was around forty years ago? Like yeah, it's, it's not changed. Um, so yeah, it, I think it does. I forgive a little bit of that because of it's a working ship, you know, like, again, passengers, yeah, you, for clients, for customers, you have to have all that modern interface. Yeah. But the fact that this is just miners, you know, working on a ship, they're there's using, only a very small crew for such a huge operation. They're using technology that's proven to work. Yeah, it works. Who cares? You know, yeah. like, yeah, it's the older technology. So who really cares about that? Um, we said the strobe lighting. Be careful yeah. of the epileptic. I know. Well, my wife even made that comment in the shuttle scene because we could understand that when the um, self-destruct's on, there's like lots yep. of flashing on. And she's in the shuttle afterwards, you know, flown out. And my wife's going, what, what is strobing? Why do they have strobing lights in there? <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. There is some strobing that seems a bit unrealistic at, in that scene with Ripley and the aliens just next to it. Yeah. And she sees it and that's when she's trying and then she runs back to stop the self destruction, right? That's great. Like it's a really good effect of the strobe because she's yeah. like you know, she's against the wall and stuff. But there is a couple of moments where you think strobe lights, you're like, that was really impractical to put a strobe light in there. Like, aren't these people working in the zone? Like it's yeah. not very OHS people. Um so yeah. I I know I do remember back watching this on VHS, because again that was my first watching, and especially when they go in at the start to the um um the planet and the you know the the fossil fossilized alien and and all the eggs it's so dark mm. on a VHS copy even though that's all I knew at the time it's like like you know you, I remembered really going oh I can't really see what's going on here and thinking that was the effect whereas then later on watching them you know in high quality DVD and what I watched um the other day you you see actually quite a bit you know yeah. but Use of shadows really well, very clever. You know, there's black parts of this film that, yeah. again, as a horror technique, you can't see what's behind the darkness. You know, um, and because the alien is all shiny and black, he 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 could just be there. Yeah, <laughs> like with Dallas, you know, that's that the he's thing. Just when, there. when you finally see it in the in the shuttle at the end, and she's she's checking something rather, and 
there's just that it, it just looks like a pipe until right. it moves and you go, oh my god, that's yeah, not a that's pipe. It. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's saying like Dallas, you know, when he's in the vents and he's got the fire and he lights up the the vents a little bit, and we know it's close by from the beeping again, but. There's just, you know, there's a black wall to his left and that's where it is, you know, yeah. and, and then he turns and we see it. So, um, yeah, that, that lighting, the use of lack of lighting, shadows. Mm. Uh, Camera, you said a really beautiful one, yeah, when they walked into that open shot and it was kind of looking up and we saw the grills and stuff. Yeah, and there's a lot of that throughout the film. That's what actually, I found. I like, like, I like that just as a picture. Yeah, the yeah. The wall, it's yeah. just beautiful. Yeah, there's a, and I feel felt like with the camera there's a lot of that. There's a lot mm. of those shots that... He must have Ridley Scott must have just decided to do a lot of those kind of to, to really take in the set. I guess they've made so much effort on the yeah. set. They're like, well, we've got to shoot shoot it. <laughs> but it's you know you, you're sort of you're there on that ship. I feel and there's lots of wide shots where we see those grills and we're, we we they do hold them for a little while and um, yeah they're quite beautiful really yeah I like them um, and like you said I think with the alien probably for the time we get a lot of super close-ups of the mouth, that, you know, gruesome oh, mouth, the drooling, and it's, and it's all I don't know the, the saliva. that you looked at, but it was just such uh, a beautiful lighting effect of the shine. Yeah. And like I said, dark patches, and it, it's it's a really just beautiful shot of this alien face. And I think if you did a Google search, image search for... Yeah, you would get those shots. Alien yeah. face, you get that, that scene mm. in there where you just sort of see it and... Mouth opens, yeah, it kind of growls, and, and yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, it's beautiful. But I mean, and even at the end, again, with Ripley, you know, she's in the pod and she's got the space suit on, and it is coming out, you know, because she's steamed it or whatever she's done to it, it's kind of comes out squealing, and she doesn't look at it. And they've done that a couple of times in the alien, and they're also then in aliens and other alien movies where we're seeing the actor and you know the presence of the creature is very close mm. you know and it's kind of a bit out of focus it's right behind them and we're, we're we're seeing it and you know and and then we might get a clear shot of that mouth thing again but so i think again in this era you know they showed us those little bits of the alien without showing us the whole thing except for what you said the hidden alien you know yeah. and he's hidden a couple of times in the film but they they do again they just show us little glimpses of the alien you know and it's not all intensive and it's nice it's, you, know, and, you don't want to see everything all the time it, and i think james cameron does that well in aliens yeah. says uh when they're first walking into the uh under the reactors there there's all of that sort of weird growth or yep. you know the the alien hive geometry yes. that seems to go around you realize because you've probably seen the first one you're probably looking at a yeah. of these things and sure enough they start saying they're coming out of the walls yeah and there's a couple of bits there where there's just it looks like a part of the architecture yeah. until it moves and uncoils. Yeah, and you, that's holy it. shit! That's right. So they do that really well, and it's very clever. Um, sound was great, beautiful, very epic to the story. Um, scary. We had uh, nice strings being used, and you know, to build the tension. Yeah, and as you said, the motive of the heartbeat going on. It was it was very popular in the in the seventies yeah. and early eighties to have those strings, and sometimes yeah. it can be a little bit much. Yeah. Uh, there were a couple of intense bits there but they made the alien squeal yeah in that same high pitch thing so you'd hear that yeah as it's coming out and then the strings are in there yeah, hitting yeah. with some orchestral crashes and then yeah it, it uh, blends in well yep definitely does yeah but that was good it was good sound i liked it and the heartbeat going you know over and over so that's great 
Um, and I mean, the alien itself and, you know, the popping out of the chest, you know, it's, it's puppetry. It's before CGI. I've seen a lot of these old horror movies um, from the 70s and stuff. And I, I mean, personally, I love a lot of that. Like, it's great to have that puppetry, you know, like a yeah. real creature effects. Um, you know, we talk about Jim Henson with all those puppets, you know, the Muppets, obviously, but he also did a lot of puppets. You talk about the Labyrinth and stuff like that. Like, those films, like, sometimes there's a bit more magic in them because of and they Jurassic are. Jurassic Park did it really yeah, well. They yeah. combined animatronics with the CGI, so, mm. uh, so sometimes the raptor heads and things were, were real and then real others sometimes yeah and that graphics. was the birth like the, that's a whole nother episode really to yes. talk about the birth of cgi and spielberg and stuff but yeah you the first Jurassic part did mixed it well together this film obviously way before cgi uh so they have to rely on that puppetry and, mm. and even with the spaceships and that you know they had to build those things yeah you know and it's a, and you know it's like star wars you know they had to build those sets they had to they have to in-kit them all out. And it's it, sometimes for me, if you can feel that, it feels more real, you know. Um, and I think for actors it, it works as well because they're sort of there, you know. Yeah. So, um, yeah, that's pretty much the breakdown of the technical sort of side of things. Did you have anything on that? Uh, as you can say, it's great. Yeah, yeah, great use of lighting. Yep. That's really noticeable in this film. There's the, the use of the lighting in the chest bursting scene. Uh, I, think, I think there must have been a lot of thought and orchestration the scene because they did it all the other sort of horror scenes in there where there's like a dallas in the air vents or the, the egg hatch or, or whatever else yeah is happening in sort of murky dimly lit the chest burst scene is is yeah. that white, white like right, it's yeah. overwhelmingly white like you yeah. really notice it. and so when they're in there all ha 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 we're gonna get a full bonuses yeah this is great uh, we're gonna all go home and it's bright and white and smooth finishings <laughs> and it's all Happy. It all looks nice. Yes. And then the blood sprays, that's still yeah. so brightly lit. And the fact that you see the little stick puppet yeah. stick up yeah. and yeah. squeal and look around a bit in that brightly lit environment, it was a, that in itself is such a contrast mm. to every other part of the film, which yeah. is strobe lights and smoky gas shooting out everywhere and uh, grills cutting off. Orange yeah, shadows lights and, darks and things, and, yeah. yeah, yeah. But then they have this one scene where they're all in the brightly lit, uh, and and I think there's there's other horror movies do the same thing where they'll have so many of the stalking scenes and like but then they'll have uh, brightly lit safe space where yeah. everyone's all together in a big group because yeah. nothing happens when they're in a big group. That's right. Yeah. It's always when someone goes by themselves. But then you'll have something horrible happen. Yeah. Because uh, they're they're toying with your emotions. If yeah. you're feeling relaxed. Uh, and you're feeling like, oh, they're in a group. And being herd animals that we yeah. are, we'll go, oh, it's their safety in numbers. Yeah, definitely. And there is because, let's face it, only Kane died and well, yeah, they yeah. survived that they one. They did. So. They... I think that that can lead into the, la- the one thing I do want to talk about this film, and this is there's a lot of this online, sorry, which is the idea that there's a big hidden message in this film of sort of sexual aggression or the primal human sex sort of side of things. And I think you talking about that scene, it's all white and virginal. And really what happens to him is he lies down and basically gives birth to the alien. Yeah. Which if you think about like a hot, I know you've been in the hospital suite. I've been in the hospital suite with my wife. Like, you know, they are those sort of that traditional birthing suite at a hospital, all white, everyone's standing around the mother, 
as she's giving birth, she's lying down, Kane's lying down on the table, yeah. writhing and screaming. There's blood spraying on people. Well, this is what happens in a birthing suite, you know, and it's it's a kind of a bit clinical and they're all in shock. You know, I remember when babies, uh, when my wife gave birth, it's all a bit like, oh, my God, like in that moment that birthing is happening, it's quite alien. Yeah, <laughs> um, it is. And, and the little, I, I think maybe even that, the little baby itself doesn't yeah, look like a human. It's, yet. it's it not because no, like it's a bit squished as well. And, yeah, thing, and there's yeah. all that blood and stuff that happens and, you know, the, the placenta and things like that. So maybe I could interpret that maybe that scene, that place is deliberately white, a bit like a hospital where women give birth, you know, in that kind of more clinical environment. And definitely, you know, that puppet that bursts out, the baby alien, as we said, it's like yeah, a penis. I, I mean, I it very, any, very much looks like a penis. I haven't penis. heard any official, by official, I haven't heard like really Scott yeah. or, or Dan O'Bannon talking about that. No. But there is so much of that with the, uh, well, I did sort of hear uh, Dan and his his co-writer there trying to come up with how they're going to get the alien board the ship. Yep. His co-writer woke up from a dream one night got in contact with Dan and said, the, the face hugger, or, you know, the, the alien, how about one of the crew members gets screwed by the alien? <laughs> yeah. And they said, what are you talking about? And I said, okay, well, they find the egg. Yeah. They don't take the egg on board. Yep. The sting jumps out and basically grabs hold of his face. And it was a, I don't know, a G-rated documentary, but yeah. I think he wanted to sort of say face sexual intercourses. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the, mouth rapes him. Yeah, yeah. Basically. And, 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 and the thing is, like, when you do look at it, like, well, that's the case. Like it's it's you know it's shoving it it's it's um, organ down the throat of Cain, impregnating him that way. Yeah. <laughs> um, and you know so it's sitting on his face like as well. So there's a lot of there is a sexual kind of connotation and going when on. And they're there. dissecting their face, yep. I go that dissected face it looks very vaginal. Yeah, it does. I mean, that's the thing. Like they do say that when you look at it, it it's it's like a vagina. You know, yeah. like in you know looking at it. And we do see through the X-ray machine that, you know, the thing is right down its throat. Like we get an X-ray vision of the thing down its throat. But also the company or the, the ship is called Mother. You know, so yeah, and they yeah. talk to mother. You know, mother has all the answers, and they go to mother. And even at the end, when Ripley is self-destructing, she says, "Come on, mother! Like, stop this! You know, yeah. like, stop this now! Like, we scream out to like a child would scream to mother." So, yeah, we do have uh, the sexual attacks, like the face on Kane. Also, Lambert. Lambert gets the privilege of the alien's tail coming yeah, that's up very anally. Su- that's very you know, like it goes it? through her legs and it actually comes up in you in the version I saw, which is just the theatrical version. It's it comes up behind her ass basically, yeah. and it's and then that's when it's cut. It cuts away, you know? and you hear a weird cry out. You do, you do. So you sort of think, has it gone up? You know, yeah, you has know, it? Yeah, well, has it anally raped her? So we sort of here. have a bit of raping going on there, and. I said, like, when it breaks for us, like, was it, Well, that's adding into the whole body horror part of this. That's which, right. Which is used a lot in, say, Seven and Saw. When those yeah, movies have yeah, come out, yeah. there's this return to the body horror. That's right. And certainly if you Human go back... Centipede. To, you know, Human centipede. Human <laughs> centipede. The same sort of... There's a horror of sort of being hunted yeah. and being endangered, but then there's this other horror of your body betraying you. Yeah. Of that's your correct. body being... Uh, altered or destroyed or or being broken without your permission. Yeah, yeah. And some movies have done that very well. The original the original Saw was very gut wrenching. Yeah, yeah. And Seven, likewise, yeah. you had these these terrible terrible stomach churning yeah, feeling yeah. of and and I did men- and that's what I did mention before, like with that chest. I you know the thing 
gets stuck to your face. It's a creepy face hugger. You know, it's a creepy spider, crab-looking creature, isn't it? And, you know, it's obviously got something right down your throat and... You know, and then, but then it bursting out of your chest. You know, it is. It's it's a total invasion of your body, isn't it? In that way, if you do think, which we talked about, the adult alien. I mean, people have said about this that extra organ comes out of its mouth. Yeah, it's a little mouth. You know, it's like a penis again. You know, like it's exposing itself, and it's like, ha ha, <laughs> and it comes out, protrudes, and it's. I really thought when I watched it this time, thinking a bit about this metaphor going on, like. It is gooey and it's slimy and it's got lots going on. Again, like a penis. So I think that's that's <laughs> that's sort of again, if you're thinking about the sexual side of yeah, that, um, I don't know how much they. Th- then I do know that the artist Giger, who who did a lot of his artwork, is that sort of alien sex technology yeah. mix. Yeah, which is actually quite striking, dramatic, yeah. horrific. Yeah. The the Fox Studio, when seeing this was of the opinion, well, I think that, that might be too horrible. Mm. I know you're making a bit of a horror movie here, but that, that could actually be too repulsive. Yeah. Everyone else, the writers and, and Riggs will go, no, 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 this is great, this, this is great. Is, yeah, this is yeah. Well, because like I said earlier, I think it, it's quite subtle and good good movies, that's the thing. They will have a bit of this subtext going mm. on. You know, we call it, you know, it is like a subtext. It's a whole nother film within the film, you know, really. And I was going to say that really um, another really violent sexual scene is ash and ripley having their fight and when that kind of gets to the the climax he's got her down and he rolls up a porno magazine and then he's stuffing it into her mouth mouth, and the thing is he's a robot who can't have sex you know what i mean so it's like an impotent man what would an impotent killer and in this case he's killing her it's almost like he can't have sex with a woman so here you go here's the next best thing i'm gonna shove this porno magazine down your throat. And I, this, when I was watching that this time, I was like, geez, that is really quite, you know, there's a, that is a pretty sexually aggressive scene to do mm. to a, I don't know if you would be able to do that in a film these days in a Hollywood, I don't know if Hollywood would no, you'd, you'd accept get, that. You'd get an R rating for sure. Well, yeah, yeah. So I think that's a Hollywood probably stay away. And then the last one was again, when she flees in the pod, it was interesting. It says on the screen to do it, uh, the self-destruct, it actually says, Oh, no, sorry, not the self stuff to actually to get rid of the pod, it says purge. Yeah, purge. So it's like purging away from, you know, the mothership. You know, yeah. you've got to purge yourself. You've got to get free. So I don't know. I noticed a lot, sorry, that it seems to have that sexual aggressive or maybe the alien representing male um, male aggression in the sexual sort of way, you know, um, maybe a bit of a message on that. Yeah. Good. Yeah, it's interesting. Well, mind you, that is a hallmark of a good, artwork though yep. is the ability to find new relevance as the ages turn and pass that's right that's because right. uh i mean there's a lot of evidence or evidence there's a lot of uh people looking at what do you call it uh scrutiny on movies and female roles in movies mm-hmm. i said this is back in 79 sigourney weaver she's totally the hero of that yeah definitely she does all the right things yep she's not she's not being rescued by anyone she's no. not and she's not overly macho herself. No, no, no. Which always annoys me when they do the exact opposite where they get yeah. like, oh, no, she's a badass biker chick who yeah. <laughs> cuts people up with her ninja swords and she's so That's cool. right, yeah, you know, yeah. 
So what? No, she, she's she, a she's a man. Yeah, yeah. Hmm, interesting. That's right. Yeah, because yeah, she does. She freaks out a couple of times in this movie, which is perfectly natural. You know what I mean? Like yeah. she she's tough and she makes tough decisions but and they, she they fights for herself. Over toughen her. Yeah, she, she's know. not a male playing. So it's not a male character. She's still very feminine. Um, but it's, I mean, it's a very powerful. But she does the right things. Yeah, she does do the right things. She gets the alien and yep. she saves the cat. So the cat. Yeah, yeah. So she's still motherly, I suppose. Yeah. <laughs> but the others also try to help and save the oh, cat. Oh, yeah. Everyone, and, you know, everyone's, yeah everyone, everyone tries to save the cat. But, but if we're talking about newfound yeah. relevance, yes. Is it, this, is, this is from the 70s. Like, yeah. We're going to get um, these men's rights people who are poo pooing. Star Wars, where there's Ray, yeah, the yeah. oh, they're just choking a woman in there because, yeah, no, people have been using female lead characters for a yeah. long time, yeah. And in fact, I don't doubt that all these people who've been poo pooing the Ghostbusters and yeah. probably love Aliens, they probably do, probably think it's a great movie, yeah. You know what, yeah, here is a, here is a woman, yep, yep, deal with it, <laughs> yeah, so because it's got, and I mean, good on Ridley Scott for doing it. I mean, he, he casted a really unknown Sigourney Weaver from theatre. You know, threw her in the, the limelight and she could handle it. I was watching she? The, she, she smashes it. Watching the making of and they're talking about that. They're saying that they wrote all the characters. They didn't specify any genders for any of the characters, but in their minds they said they wrote them all as men. Yep. And when they were pitching it to the studio, they said, oh, it would be possible to have anywhere up to two of the characters being women if you yep. want to have a broader appeal. Yep. And so they, they weren't thinking of any sort of um, equal rights or... No. Any political, and they're looking at, at a marketing thing going, well, we, we, we might have to have a woman a there somewhere there. Yeah. To, to, to appeal to a market. And who was it? One of the, the producer, he got the screenshots, the uh, casting footage of Ripley uh, up and brought in a bunch of women from the Fox studios to watch it and got their opinion. And they all said, oh, yeah, she's really cool. She's she looks, uh, you know, good doing the role. She seems to be acting well. Yeah, I, I really like her. Yeah. And that was his that was his attempt to go, okay, well, yes, it works with a female demographic. <laughs> Stamp. Yeah. Yeah, so I don't think there was any, at the time, particular desire to promote uh, equal rights of any sort. They were looking to get a bigger market share. Yeah, yeah. And that meant allowing some women in there. But when they were casting for Ripley, Sigourney Weaver's, she turned up late. She went to the wrong hotel, apparently. So they were going... Where is she? Where you have this, this person we thought she was going to be here that would be good um, and then yeah, when she worked in, walked in they went ah oh, no that's Ripley because they weren't sure they'd actually been casting the, the woman who did Veronica Cartwright did, okay um, Lambert actually did all of her casting tests with Ripley's lines right so when she was told she's got the job she thought she was Ripley, Ripley. and so but she went into wardrobe and they started figuring out with uh, you know suit with Lambert patch on it and she's Lambert no I'm Ripley no, no, they told me you're Lambert. She's kind of called back her agent. Um, Ripley, right? And the agent says, yeah, I'm, that's all I've got you to test for, right? And she says, yeah. Mm, okay, and sure enough, no, you're no, Lambert. you're not. And I think she, she actually killed that role. She yeah, was, yeah. Uh, she got that, that really um, really good mix of going from kind of let's, let's be sensible and, and take yeah. some sort of action to being totally freaked out and completely incapable of thought mm. back to... Yeah, yeah, let's follow this plan. Let's do yeah. it. And, and you really, really had a very strong sense of uh, a real person. That was great. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, I think where, where it gets up to where she does die in that scene where they're getting all those 
uh, those gas things. Yeah, and Paul Parker's got the flamethrower. Yeah. He can't shoot the creature, even though he's got yeah. a clear shot, because she's right there as well and would yeah. burn her to death. Well, I was just going to say, she she's like, this is the plan to survive, but it's she's sort of like trembling that whole time. You yeah. know, like, like we've got to, we're good, you know, it's like, do this and we've got to get out of here. And I think she does that really well. Yeah, so... That's pretty much what I've got to say about Alien, I think, overall. Uh, already my wife has said, we finished watching that. She said, okay, well, you know we have to watch the next one now. I said, yes, yes, we are going to have to watch it. That's Aliens, the sequel, has probably got to be one of one of my most watched movies of all time. Yeah, so there's yeah. a couple. That one, Princess Bride and um, Super Troopers, oddly enough, have probably got to be some of my most watched You might have to movies. censor that out of this podcast. This is a sci-fi <laughs> Sci-fi, <book>. yes. Super Troopers is kind of sci-fi, isn't it? No. Um, but to me, it's just this film is, as I said, it, for me as a creative person, it's it's a benchmark. I, that's what I've really uh, realised. Like I, I probably already already knew that, but I'm just in watching it this time. Yeah, this is what, so what well I'm going to It does. So well demonstrates so many good points. Like there, There's other ways of making great films. Yeah. But this one has, there's a couple of really good points here in use of dialogue in use of um, uh, sparsity of, of story, I yep. suppose, like, or let's say... Um, well, what, what to tell the cons- audience and Conciseness what to. Yeah, of yeah, story. Yeah, yeah, like cons- it's to the point, there's enough there that you feel you're involved in something big, yeah. but it doesn't go off into more than it needs to. It's, it's, it's really good from that point of view. I, yeah. I do very much love this film. So make sure you do check it out and it would be lovely to hear some feedback about your own experience of Alien. When did you watch it? You know, what did you think about it? Did you, did Are you, you into overpositors? <laughs> That's right. <laughs> it's possible. Um, did you think that this film is very sexual at the end of the day when it sort of doesn't impose that on us? Uh, yeah, it would be great to hear your thoughts on our social media channels. At Space Brains Pod on Twitter. Yep, and Space Brains Podcast on Instagram and yes. Facebook. Facebook. Yes, yeah. Space Brains <laughs> or Gravion Dunn on Facebook. Yep. Uh, and Mark, what's do you have a, a? You just started a film page. I just liked it. Yeah, well, I've I've had it for a little while, just doing a bit of the photography stuff. So yeah, so, so that's that and that's called? just the Mark Regan. Yeah, it's just Mark Regan. I'm on Instagram and. Uh, Facebook, I think, goes by Mark Regan Creates. Mark Regan Creates, yeah. well, so, that's, but if so you there's, search, there's your hot tip. That's, there you go. That's the next surprise coming out of uh, science fiction. Yeah, that's right. Mark Regan. Okay. So our next episode, it's one of your films. Next episode, yes. It's one of my favourite all-time films. <laughs> it's called Other Life. That's right. I, that's all I know about this film. I assume it must be science fiction because when I picked it, it was from a list of science fiction movies. Yep, and we... We did try to pick some different ones. Uh, this one's from you. It's available on Netflix. So Netflix. All our films so far have been available on Netflix. Yeah. Alien hasn't? No, the Alien no. was not on Netflix. But so, if you but can you can find a source for Alien. Jeez. I it's, think everyone probably has the DVD, don't they? Or the VHS. The I'm sure you've got a VHS line They've around. They've got the 40th anniversary <laughs> coming out just now. So. I, and I suppose just on that, wanted to say, check out the short films that they're yeah, releasing. I, I saw yeah. Containment and yeah. Specimen. Yep, yeah, I've seen the Containment I, one. So Specimen's yeah. really... Okay, well, I won't spoil con- Specimen spoil, for you. No. But it has a, a really nice... Having watched Alien, and I, I guess Aliens, but having watched Alien in particular, you watch Specimen, and it has like a... Uh, a really nice, a bit of a twist on the end. Yeah. Which kind of relates back to some of the mythology in yeah, the yeah. Alien film. It's quite good. Yeah. Well, I liked the first, I liked Containment. I enjoyed that. I thought, hey, this is great to kind of have it back around, you know. So, yeah, check them out. They're looking good. Okay, well, 
thank you very much for listening. Yeah, thanks. Get in touch and keep watching science fiction. Definitely. See ya. See ya. See ya.